He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad! Oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the 73rd Hole. Colby Powell, Taylor Williams, and Sam Humphreys with you. This is the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Head over to GolfOklahoma.org. Check it all out before next week's KitchenAid Senior PGA Championship at Southern Hills. Cannot wait to get up to Southern next week. We will update you on everything happening at the NCAA Regionals, as it appears they might get uh, all 54 in by the end of today in Stillwater. Not the case around the country, as they're playing 18-18-18. So we'll have 18 more for, like, OU, Texas, uh, TCU contending for a spot in the national championships as well. Another Big 12 school. So we'll give you the updates on all of that coming up here in just a little bit. But first, we've got to talk to our man, Jim Woodward. It is PGA Championship week, and Woody always takes some time to join us and preview these major championships. Woody, how you doing today? We appreciate you taking some time for us. Ah, it's a great day to talk golf. It's not raining. That's good. It's not raining yet anyway. We'll uh, we'll see how the rest of the day plays out. We've got, to me, one of my favorite courses that's in the major championship rotation this week, the Ocean Course at Kiowa. It's it's just an unbelievable golf course. Rory won back there by eight shots in 2012. And, Woody, we were talking a little bit before we came on. You haven't played this course in competition, but you have played it. So I'm just curious. You know, we, we hear, I've been watching live from the PGA Championship. We hear about all the quirks of the course, the sandy areas, all the stuff like that. What were some of your big takes? takeaways from Kiowa whenever you were able to play it? Well, uh, the day I got to go on it, it was way back when. It was right after it first opened. You know, at one point, Landmark owned that. And uh, I don't know if people realize that, but uh, Pete Dye and Landmark actually built that before the 91 Ryder Cup. In fact, trivia there, that thing probably, most people didn't even think that was going to happen in 91 because uh, Hurricane Yuko came in there in the spring of 91 and caused a lot of damage they really believe it or not guys you know they didn't even plant the greens until late may and that that rider cup was played in uh september wow which is there's there's some trivia that people just don't realize that golf course literally was a miracle to get it done and what i found about it is i i, I was lucky the wind wasn't howling the day i played it the the two golfers golf courses I compare that are the hardest I've ever set foot on is Oak Tree National and Kiowa. And so, whereas it's just brutally hard, uh, that's what I take away from it. Every year that I see anything played there, I always think the golf course is going to win. There might be a guy shoot a low score, but boys, when this thing's done, the golf course will win. Woody, I can hear you ready for Kiowa with those wind chimes in the background. Yeah, I got to move. I was I was in a place that I just heard them too. They were they're blowing around out here on my back porch, and I thought, well, I got to get out of there. We don't listen to wind chimes all day. <laughs> I thought it made for very elegant backdrop music, kind of like that, kind of well, like the kind of like the Masters theme, you know? It just kind of set well, the tone. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, we got instead of uh, bird singing, we got wind chimes blowing. So <laughs> that, that's the new that's the new PGA Championship theme for the seventy third hole. I think we got it there. Um, you know, Woody. Well, yeah, you did. 
<laughs> yeah, you know what do you you kind of iterated to you know uh, Oak Tree National and uh, Kia were both the uh, Pete Dye courses, obviously, and you've mentioned that those are two of the hardest courses you've played, and I know that you've played numerous other Pete Dye courses as well. So, um, you know, for people around the local area here who have played Oak Tree National, what are some of the similar characteristics they can expect um, that they would see out at National as compared to what they would see out at Kiowa this upcoming week? Well, both golf courses get extremely difficult when the wind blows. And the reason why is your green complexes are where they might look big on television. You know, where you're trying to land the golf ball is not very big. And at Kiowa, all of those greens are extremely elevated. Uh, they, they sit up and the ball, you know, the ball moves off of them quickly. You can think you've hit a pretty good golf shot. And then all of a sudden you get up there and where's my ball, you know, and it, it's rolled you know, 30 yards down and bottom of some gully and or into one of those deep bunkers. So a lot of that is what reminds me of his oak tree is because if the wind blows, which you guys have played oak tree enough to know, if that wind's blowing, that becomes a beast. And so is Kiowa. And where Kiowa was a little different because most of those holes at Kiowa one east-west along that uh, Atlantic Ocean. Oak Tree has a lot more going north-south, so to speak. Even though we've got a lot of – there's some east-west or a little bit of a, a, a tricky wind, but um, Kiowa just kind of like uh, European golf, you go out and you come back. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. yeah it's like um... – um, you time nine holes, like St. Andrews is famous for this. You play the first nine holes going out, and you play the uh, yeah. last nine holes coming back. I remember a funny story. Um, before we get to the next question, I remember Tiger said one of his favorite rounds he ever played, kind of sarcastically, was he played a practice round at St. Andrews, and he timed the wind just right to where he played all 18 holes dead into the wind. I'm sure that was a lot. <laughs> it can happen. It can happen at Kiowa, too. It's just uh, that's what makes it so brutal. You just don't know what you're going to get. And when those guys tee off, a lot of this golf tournament, I hope it's not, but a lot of it is a little bit of luck. If you happen to go late, early, or early, late, depending on what the wind is doing, it can make a big difference in what your score is. Right, Woody. And uh, obviously, you're a club professional, uh, and so you've played in some of these PGA Club Professional Championships. Uh, this year, Omar Uresti uh, won the Club Pro uh, Championship. I don't know. That might be a little bit of a, of a controversial win there. I mean, he played on tour for so long. Uh, I don't know about that one. But, uh, but talk a little bit about the Club Pro Championship. Obviously, you got a handful of club pros that are in the tournament every year. Um, and, right. and tell us maybe – uh, your experience with those championships and playing in the PGA? It, you know, it was always that was always what was such a great honor to get to play the PGA uh, via the Club Pro Championship. As for Omar, Omar's not doing anything wrong, guys. I would love to tell you he is, but he's playing by the rules. The rules of our, uh, that, that organization are set up, and he qualifies under the rules. And it's a classic example. If you're whining about him winning, you need to go figure a way to beat him or practice harder or just quit bitching because he's not doing anything wrong. That's why golf is such a great sport. If you don't like losing, then you go practice harder and figure out how to beat him or go take up tennis. I don't care, but I, I really get frustrated when I hear a club pro going, well, Omar's not really a club pro. Well, he is, by the way, the PGA – States to rule. I don't so, blame him. It's I, the only way he can get in the tournament. 
made without a doubt. Well, I got to tell you guys, I was on tour from 90 to 95, and I didn't qualify for a PGA when I was on tour. I, one year I got real close uh, in 92, but I always qualified for my three years. I think I played in via the club pro championship. So we're, we're, you, can, you can say, well, those guys shouldn't be in the field also. Uh, you know, it's such a great honor for them. They've worked hard. They've played practice. They've gotten to that level where they're pretty good players. Uh, they deserve every right to play in the golf tournament. Now, there's only 20. They used to let in 40 when I was playing. 40 was probably a big number. When you get right down to it, I think 20 is very fair, and uh, I hope they never change that because those guys, they deserve a chance to play. Now, are they going to win? No. No, I I would love to think there's some club pro out there that could win the PGA championship, but I'd be on some kind of heavy drugs if I told you all that was going to happen because it's not. Woody, where did you play your PGAs at, the ones you qualified as a club pro? I played at uh, – where did I get to play? I played at uh, PGA National. I played at Valhalla, and I played in Atlanta. So I, I think I just played in three of them. Uh, the golf courses were all different. Um, I always think back at Mahala in 2000 that I got to play there, and, and that meant that was kind of fun because that's the first time I'd ever really seen Tiger. And so I was on the range one day when he was hitting balls, and that was the most impressive thing I'd ever seen in my life, uh, watching him hit a golf ball. And I knew then, I thought, boy, I don't know how you beat this guy. And, and they didn't that week. Uh, they didn't a lot in 2000. He was just so good. But anytime you're playing a major, it's, it's a thrill of a lifetime. It's an honor to ever get to tee it up in one. And then to play those golf courses, no matter what they are, how difficult they'll set them up. U.S. Opens were always set up harder to me than the PGA ever set up a golf course. But – uh, still, we played great golf courses in great venues, and um, like I said, I was I loved it. I I was always uh, in awe of it, and whereas I never came close to winning one, uh, I still enjoyed it for sure. Yeah, and I know somebody that really enjoyed Kiowa back in 2012 was Rory McIlroy. He became the youngest PGA champion of all time, won by eight shots, uh, just put a phenomenal week together at Kiowa. And this week he comes in at the favorite. He was on about an 18-month drought, Woody, and then he wins a couple of weeks ago leading right up to Kiowa and launches himself to the top of the betting odds. I'm looking at the, the top four in the betting odds here. Rory McIlroy followed by John Rahm and then Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth are both tied there. Uh, what, what do you think about Rory's chances this week? and some of those other guys at the top of the board. Well, isn't it funny how, how two of the guys were betting his favorites? You know, six months ago, we said both of them were not all that, and Spieth and Rory. So those two are, are at the top of the list. I, I kind of would rather see Spieth simply to get his grand slam. That's such a difficult thing to achieve, and to watch one happen in our lifetime, it'd be really special besides Tiger, of course, who just dominated. That wasn't even a challenge for him. But for these other guys, Rory trying to win the Masters and Spieth trying to win the PGA and Mickelson trying to win that, that Open that he never could win. I, I, you know, it's hard to win a Grand Slam. So my, I'm pulling for Spieth. Although I got to tell you, I'm, I'm I'm duly impressed that Rory in that short period of time, he went from drawing his driver to now he's cutting it. Um, 
I think that'll that'll behoove him there to play pretty good at, at Kiowa, even though he dominated in 2012. I think the cut shot at Kiowa is a better shot for him to be hitting simply because if you don't hit the fairways there, it's pretty hard to shoot at those little bitty greens. And, and so it's just kind of a domino effect. If you're driving the golf ball bad, it's pretty tough to get it even on the green, let alone close to the hole. So Rom. A European, again, Rory, European. Spieth grew up in Texas. Watch out for Victor this week. Played in a lot of wind at OSU, Norwegian. Um, anybody that has played in a lot of wind and there's a really good ball striker is a pretty good favorite. Where I like Spieth even more is he's got such a great short game. You're going to have to have that, too, because if the wind blows, you're not going to hit those greens. You're going to have to chip the ball. So... And who am I picking? Well, you have to wait till the end of the show. But um, it's going to be kind of fun to watch this one. This is a, this could be a real interesting golf tournament to watch. Yeah, you were talking about Rory, and I'm looking at Rory's putting stats right now. And uh, the famous Jim Woodward quote that no one on tour is a bad putter, you know, and people no, were talking about how bad Rory's putting was, and that's not true. And this year he no. he's actually, you know, in his bad rounds, <laughs> saved his rounds with, with his putting, and then now he's got – the ball striking and everything working. He's got that fade working with the driver off the tee. Uh, I agree with you, Woody. Rory, Rory uh, is definitely one to look out for this week. He's going to be dangerous, to say the least. Here's a tidbit for you guys, though. This is a good trivia question because you're talking about club pros. Do you guys know what the highest cut ever in a club pro championship was and where it was? Uh, in club, oh, boy. The I fact have, that you're asking the question makes me think it might have been, been Oak Tree National. Oh, maybe. It was. It was 13 over the year we played at Oak Tree National in 2000. Holy wow. 13, moly. 13 over made the cut. Now, they got a bad break because we had a lot of rain in the rough. The rough got so deep there, guys, that first off, you almost couldn't find your ball. And if you did, anything above a nine iron, forget it. You're not, you weren't getting anything. <laughs> I mean, it was wedges and sandwiches just to get the golf ball back into play and then try to hit the green. So, Kiowa, I think, is second in 2005 or six when they had the Club Pro Championship there. That, that was the next highest cut. But Oak Tree and Kiowa are the two that have just beat the dog dog out of, the, out of everybody that seems to play it. Yeah, you know, Woody, something I'm reading here, and I, I remember this now that I'm reading it, but back in 2012 here at Kiowa, Woody, during the second round, the highest scoring average in a PGA um, championship happened on that day, a shade over 78, par 72. Yeah. So the guys averaged a little over six over for the day. That was the average for, for everyone out there playing. Just goes to show that it has that oak tree vibe to it where, you know, if you kind of get things, I mean, you could hit good shots and still make bogey or double. Um, so, you know, oh. being pl- playing – yeah, absolutely. So playing at an elite level like you have, Woody, um, if you get out, like let's say, for example, they get out there and the wind's blowing 30 miles an hour and, you know, par in any hole is a good score. How are you – what is a good thought process maybe to um, to attack the course at that point? Because you got to play slightly defensive to some extent because if you short-side yourself or get in wrong spots, you're going to make a big number fast. But at the same time, you don't want to play too passive and leave yourself long putts and potentially three putt and make a bogey when you shouldn't. So what would you think say uh, maybe a good approach for some of these players to go in to to try to attack the course if it is set up tough well and that's why we go back to look at the guys that can play in the wind the 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 best ball strikers we all play in so much wind in oklahoma we understand that first off you're not hitting the ball solid on a windy day 
Oh my. I, I mean, it's like, I don't know. It's like the worst mission in life. You just want to slit your wrist while you're out there because you can't really control the golf ball. If it's not hit solid. Then the other thing you got to do is be able to flight the golf ball down. And, and that is, Sounds easy to do, but it's extremely difficult when the wind is blowing as hard as it can blow. Woody, give us a couple of survival. Woody, Woody, give us a couple of tips for the listeners who are, are amateurs out there. What's the best way to flight it low uh, here in Oklahoma? Well, it, I always try to tell all of my students whenever they're playing on real windy days, guys. I learned it when I was a little kid. When it's breezy, you swing easy, and that goes against everything against what you would think because the last thing you want to do when wind is blowing is hit the ball as hard as you can because what it does is create spin and once it spins guess what it's like an airplane when it takes off it has to go to a certain speed before it will lift well if you hit that golf ball too hard on windy days the spin then causes it to balloon and then all all crap breaks loose to pardon my french but it's just ugly so what I always try to teach my guys is I say, listen to me. If it's normally a seven iron from this distance, whether it's 160, 170, whatever it is, I want you to chip a five iron or chip a six iron, but do not hit a club full. Never hit it full. It's, it just becomes survival, guys. It's really not golf at this point. This is about being disciplined enough to just kind of, kind of punch and pitch your way around the golf course so that you don't lose the golf ball in the wind. It, what it takes is just unbelievable discipline and patience. And what I've always said when we've talked about majors, physically I'm never tired after I played one, but mentally I'm a wreck. I am just a mush. I, I, to go and play the week after a major might as well be a, the biggest waste of time you'll ever have in your life because if you've been in the hunt or if you've been grinding as hard as you have to play – in one of those situations, you're really mentally just a badge when you're done. You're just completely worn out. Yeah, and Woody, I wanted to uh, ask you about some of the local guys this week. We got OU represented with Abraham Answer, who's been playing some good golf and is really uh, popping with some of the statistics and the analytics this week. Victor Hovland also playing good golf. Alex Noren played well last week. Taylor Gooch has made a bunch of cuts this year. Robert Streb had the win in the fall and has played some decent golf. We've also got Ricky Fowler in the field. He's in on a special exemption. He's down to the 128th ranked player in the world. But you look at these guys locally. Uh, give me a name or two there of the OU OSU guys, and then we throw Streb in there as well that you think could have a good week well and and, and you got to go to the two that are probably playing the best which is answer and hoblin they are they are probably having the best run up to it even though uh, robert won in the fall he hasn't just lit it up and and keel was the kind of golf course that's just a beast it's a lot and uh, you know i don't know that robert had the link to take it on but i he, he'll surprise you because of the short game so good if I had to pick of those those guys that are our local guys, as we call local guys, I would have to go with Hoblin, uh, simply because he strikes the ball so doggone good. Now, he doesn't have the greatest short game. Again, it's kind of like saying somebody isn't a good putter. They've all got pretty good short games. It's not like there's anybody out there that tips like a 20 handicapper. But... If you're looking at really great short games, uh, Patrick Reed, uh, Jordan Spieth, John Rom, these guys jump to the head of the class when you talk about great short game. 
But if you had to put me on the on the on the clock and say pick one, I'd go with Hoblin. Yeah, I, I, I he might be one of my picks too, Woody. Um, I mean, I think that he's playing so well, very underrated now. Ta- he's number eleven in the world now. I mean, he's he's climbing up there. You know, people think that we just talk about him because he's from OSU, but I mean, the, the guy's just unbelievable. I mean, he's going to be a top ten, probably top five player in the world at some point. Um, you know, and the last thing I want to ask about the course, Woody, is that um, in 2012 they played it at about 7,600. Um, if they want to, Woody, they can get this course to about 7,900 yards wise. What? How? How much? of a beast is that course going to be if they want to tip it out as far as they can well i mean they might as well take all these guys to the ocean and and shoot them and throw them in because you get it you get it that long and windy (laughs) that's no fun and nobody wants to watch that because that's that that is that is just cruel if they did that and the pga won't do it the pga like i said if anybody it's soft when it comes to setting up golf courses. Terry Haig's one of the best at doing it. He will make it very fair and very playable, but it will be hard. But I hope they wouldn't do something stupid like that. That sounds like something the USGA would do, and I just don't ever see the PGA of America doing that, guys. I'm sorry. What do you, we're, uh, To kind of back off T-Dub's question there, uh, when we're talking about picking guys this week and the course is obviously the longest course in major history uh your first gut instinct would be like oh well i'll pick bombers but tell me why that might not exactly be the case you already kind of alluded to it a little bit was saying that if it's windy these guys aren't going to hit every green anyways you know and you, and you might need someone with a good short game uh but but tell me when it is a long course what is the uh kind of strategy for a guy that might not be a bomber when the course is super long well, and, and the cool thing about Kiowa is is it doesn't it doesn't really have those kinds of holes where you set up and you can carry over a bunch of trees or shortcuts or anything like that. A lot of times with Kiowa, what Pete does is the further you hit the golf ball, the tighter the landing area gets. What Pete Dye is really great at, and and you guys played enough golf to know this. On the tee, he will scare you to death, but he definitely gives you a place to hit the golf ball, too. Right. He always gives us a place to drive the golf ball. Driving the ball at a Pete Dye golf course is not the pinnacle of importance. It's the shots into the green that are so critical when you're playing Pete's golf courses. So what he has done is he kind of takes that away from the bombers. He doesn't really give them a great advantage. The guy that's back there, say a Webb Simpson, who is, you know, solid as a rock and when it comes to majors, will be able to compete at Kiowa because they're not going to stretch it out to 7,900 yards. And what little chance they give them to really give the bombers a chance to maybe attack a hole, it narrows down with the penalty being so severe. I don't know that it's worth it to them. Yeah, I, I think you're right on, Woody. Uh, all right, it is that time of the show. Give us a couple of guys you like, maybe a winner, a runner-up, somebody who you think will contend, and then throw a dark horse at us, he Woody. He gave us his dark horse, Webb Simpson. Well, and, and Webb, <laughs> I got two kind of dark horses, Webb and, <laughs> and Charles Schwartzel. Schwartzel, okay. Schwartzel has, fit the mold, absolutely. He has won a major, he won the Masters. He has come and he won the PGA. If I'm not, no, I don't think Schwartzel did. Keimer, Keimer won the, the British and the P, or the Open, the PGA. Trenzel those two are Masters, kind of my dark yeah. horses. Yeah, those two are kind of my my dark horses simply because both are playing really good golf right now. Sentimentally, I'm going with Speed because I want to see him win the Grand Slam. He's my favorite. He's the guy I want to pick. Uh, 
as far as the second guy goes, I mean, you know what? I'll pick. I'll pick John Rom because uh, everybody else going to probably pick Rory. So I'll pick. I'll pick John Rom simply because I believe in his European background, and he he just he's just a great ball striker. But what I said earlier to this this start of this program, guys. There'll be a guy win the golf tournament, but when it's all said and done, the winner of the PGA will be Kiowa. What about JT? It, you you always seem to pick JT, and he's not on your list this week. Why is that? Oh, you know, there's so much parity on the PGA Tour. i got to be honest with you guys. I mean, I watched a little Byron Nelson last week, and it wasn't on a hard golf course. That, that I realized. But I hate to admit this to you, boys. I, didn't ever, I never heard of this league guy. <laughs> I mean, he's finished second at the waste management, but I mean, I'm out of touch, I guess, because I go, who in the heck is this dude? And I'm watching him swing the golf club, and I'm watching him putt and chip, and I thought, how do I not know this dude? So when you when you've got so much what I call parody, there's so many guys we could sit here, and there's 20, 25 guys we haven't even mentioned Morikawa, and he won it last year, and that was only seven months ago, or whatever it was, nine months ago. So I, I'm not picking JT because I'm down on JT. I just, I'm just, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm old. And I can't have. I'm not good enough memory, Tim. I got to just go with what I can think of. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. You know, one thing I'll point out to all of our listeners here at uh, at the Masters, Woody's dark horse was the number ninth ranked player in the world. The one he gave this time, Charles Schwartz, was the hundred and ninth ranked player in the world. So he we went a little more dark <laughs> on a dark course. Spots down. See, I, I, I'm trying to go dark. I'm, I, I'll get there. I, I, I know I'm, I know I'm kind of stuck in my ways, and I'm just trying to find a winner. And I don't do that very often. So you guys, at 109, I'm proud of my pick, man. Good for me. And to your credit, too, Woody, at the start of the year, he was, uh, I believe, 219th in the world. So, um, I mean, he's uh, he's okay. definitely climbed up the ranks, Schwartzel has. Um, you know, one, one last thing I'll ask you, Woody, is that we talked about this uh, last year um, for the PJ Championship, and we were both right on the money um, because we we both talked or alluded to how we think the PJ Championship sets up best for people who have not won a major before. It's the best time for a first-time winner to take it. So, we asked you last yeah. year, I asked you this this year, would you, if you had to bet your money on would you take the field of players who have won a major before, or would you take the field of players who haven't won a major before? Well, with this golf course, I got to tell you guys, this is the kind of golf course where I'll say it's going to be somebody that's won a major before. I, I, I don't, I just feel like the golf course is going to separate it really big. However, if there is one tournament that it seems like there is a guy that, that has not won majors, it's PGA. But I think this, this year at this tournament, we're going to have a guy that's won a major before. Yeah, we will, uh, we will see how it plays out, Woody. We always appreciate your time. You had more Kawa last year at the PGA. You've got speed this year. We'll see how it plays out. We appreciate you, Woody. You got it, guys. Have a great day. That was our man Woody Jim Woodward joining us here on the 73rd hole. Always appreciate him taking some time for us. We'll see how his picks fare this week at the Ocean Course at Kiowa. I want to give a big shout-out to Madison Custom Homes. Everybody head over to madisoncustomhomes.net. They've been sponsoring some of our live coverage last week at the 6A State Tournament and what was supposed to be tomorrow at Karsten Creek for the final round of the Stillwater Regional. Turns out that round is being played today. It did not work with our schedules. We were unable to get up there today. Uh, so if 
if it does get rained out and there's any more holes to be played tomorrow, we'll go up there. But it looks like they are going to be able to resume play. So big shout-out to Madison Custom Homes for their support. And again, head over to madisoncustomhomes.net. Just building some of the absolute most beautiful homes in the state of Oklahoma. Also featured in Golf Oklahoma Magazine. That is madisoncustomhomes.net. M-A-T-T-E-S-O-N, customhomes.net. Fellas, the NCAA regionals are in full swing in Stillwater. The plan was let's play 36 on Monday because the weather is going to be really unpredictable Tuesday and Wednesday. Today, actually, was forecasted to be the worst weather day of the three, uh, and it actually cleared out a little bit. They're in a rain delay now. Uh, it's about 1.15 right now as we're having this conversation, but play is scheduled to resume at about 1.30 today, and Oklahoma State uh, has been much better yesterday afternoon and this morning than they were in the first round. They now lead the regional by two over Illinois, but, I mean, the real thing that OSU fans uh, can be happy about is the cushion after Illinois, there's a 12-shot drop to SMU, another couple to Baylor, another couple to Sam Houston. So it gets uh, pretty easy for Oklahoma State at this point. They are, let's see, um, 21 shots clear of sixth. And we should make note, yesterday we were saying top six teams advance out of these regionals. It's top five teams advancing out of these regionals. We would gotten confused with what happened last week with the women, the fact that there are six regionals. So it's five teams, Oklahoma State very comfortably in the top five, leading their regional with, let's say, let's call it 16 or 17 holes left as a team. Yeah, and it makes it easy when you have two guys shoot 65 and you end up shooting a 271 in the second round. That That's where they got their cushion from. Well, how about, how about Alan Bratton, who Brian subbed Stark. Brian Stark yep. in? Yeah, that's what I was about to say, is Brian Stark coming off the bench and shooting a little 7-under 65. I mean, what a, what a round that was. Well, I mean, that's the this is the infamous Bo Hostler rule. I mean, whenever uh, Texas was playing the national championship, he was hurt, yep. and when he putted out of the bunker. Yeah, he, oh, they, they yeah. weren't they weren't allowed a sub, and so Texas lost the national championship, even though they had alternates there ready to play. They end up. It's how all rules happen, just like the pass interference in the NFL. As soon as something messes up so bad, they decide to fix it. And as you see, whenever you have deep programs like OSU, OU did the same thing um, at their regional in Albuquerque. I mean, if you got another guy out there who can play, send him out there and give him a shot. If and we all know how volatile golf is, guys. I mean, if you're just having a bad day or a bad week. I mean, very easily there's a guy on your team who could play better than you, and so if that doesn't necessarily mean that you're not going to be on the team at the national title, but that definitely gives your team a chance to get there, more or less if you're going to go out and shoot 80 or whatever you are, and go out and put in someone, Brian Starr, is going to shoot 5-under or 7-under, whatever it was. 7-under, yeah. And, yeah. and like you alluded to, oh, you did the same thing. They took out Patrick Welch, who had a bad day yesterday, put in Ben Lorenz, and he's 1-under on the day through 12. Uh, so it seems like both teams, you know, uh, making the right decision there to to go with the sub off the bench. Yeah, no doubt. And and some stones from Alan Bratton to make that move because Baumgartner was part of that team that won the Big 12 championship at Prairie Dunes, had been playing well coming in, just didn't have his best stuff yesterday morning. He made the switch. Bo Jin was the other 65 yesterday afternoon. He went 74-65, so a nine-shot difference for Bo Jin, who just had a phenomenal round two. But, fellas, I want to talk about Auburn because our man Jovan Rubula from Auburn was five under in the individual tournament. He was just one shot off the lead yesterday when in his second 36, he stepped to the tee at the 8th hole at Carson Creek. 8th hole at Carson Creek is a uh, par 4th listed at 501 yards on the scorecard. Typically plays a little downwind, uh, kind of an elevated green, wide fairway. Other than 18, probably the widest fairway on the course. Probably the widest fairway on the course, but you can't miss it. 
Yep. You, you can't miss that fairway. There's not a lot of rough on that hole. A little bit on the left, but on the right, there's certainly very little rough on that hole. You got to hit that fairway. Uh, Jovan Rabula was unable to do that. He had his first tee shot to the right in the woods. He goes in. He finds the ball. He plays it. He finishes out the hole. He then realizes, oh, no, this is not my golf ball. He played the wrong golf ball from the woods. He didn't realize it until he had finished the hole. Fortunately, he realized it then because had he teed off on number nine with that golf ball and then realized it, he would have been disqualified from the tournament. So fortunately, he realized it after he finished number eight. So now he has to go back to the tee, already being assessed whatever penalties are involved there. (laughs) So he goes back to the tee. What does he do? He hits one off the planet. So now he has to re-tee again. What's he do on the next one? He hits it off the planet. Mm. I mean, these golf balls are gone. And then he tees another one up, plays it out, ends up making like bogey in from there, I think. So he takes a 14. That's a 10 over par 14 on the eighth hole yesterday. He currently, through 36 holes, is 7 over on the tournament. So he played his, uh, he played the other 35 holes in 3 under. He played number 8 in 10 over par that's uh, a big mistake from him for hitting the wrong golf ball and also kind of Carson Creek in a nutshell. It can get away from you if you get a little loose. Yeah, if you, if for anyone out there listening who – and first of all, whenever we mention, you know, it's it's a wide fairway. I mean, Carson Creek doesn't necessarily have particularly wide fairways anywhere, so, I mean, you got to hit the ball. It's relatively a, wide. They, they have wide fairways. They just don't have any room if you miss the They're fairway. not forgiving. No yeah. forgiveness. So yeah, that, that's probably the best way to put it. And so – I mean, whenever you hit it into native stuff, I feel like this is the same. At least this is what I do. I quadruple check the golf ball to make sure that it's mine. I mean, there's, I mean, I don't know about y'all. I have very specific marking. I play a tailor-made ball with a red line on it and with red dots on it. I mean, it's on either side of the ball. I'm going to be able to tell if it's mine or not. And if there's any hesitation, you are allowed to technically mark the ball and pick it up to identify it. You just have to place it back where it was. So to play the wrong ball, in my opinion, is an unforgivable excuse in, in, um, and it's not some, not like he was cheating by any stretch of the imagination, but that's something that you should not allow to happen. It's but, just a dumb mistake. Exactly, 100%. And so, um, you know, credit to him for getting done on the hole and then going back to the tee box and proceeding to make a – what did he make on the hole, 14? I made, yes, he made a 14 on the hole. He was two under through his first seven, and then he made a 14 on number eight. And I, I just cannot imagine what an empty feeling that was for him walking to number nine tee box because it also – I mean, I mean it, it – tanked Auburn as a team. Auburn was doing really well yesterday. And then once he made that 10, now they had to take somebody else's score, which ended up being a three over par 75 in that second round. Whereas if he wouldn't have had that 10, he'd have been down around even par. And who who knows what that does mentally to him. But they're only three shots out of fifth right now, even with him blowing up on that hole and having to take a 75. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. I mean, this could literally cost Auburn a chance at getting into the national championship. But, you know, out at Carson, guys, the thing that a lot of people don't realize because you know if if people go up there and play by themselves generally if they hit it into the the long stuff the hay they just kind of drop up and take the treat it as a hazard you know they'll just drop it like it's in the water these young individuals are not playing it that way if they cannot find that ball they are reteeing i mean i can't think of maybe the one there's a creek here there on one side of the hole where it's marked as a hazard but generally every hole out there if you do not hit the fairway like sam just alluded to it's not forgiving if you don't hit the fairway you're reteeing and i mean you're hitting three so um he had been had been hitting five from the tee box and you know you mentioned colby it kind of derailed auburn one of the reasons may have had to be 
First of all, how long would it have taken to to have tried to find that ball? So he's already taking a long time oh, to do yeah. that. Then he gets up, plays the hole, realizes he needs to go back and finish the hole. Had to slow play up tremendously. I mean, a, a huge amount. Not even just for Especially Auburn. Especially on a 36-hole day. Yeah, yeah I, what, I had a buddy who was up there, was, by the uh, way. Sorry, Colby. Was this in the first or second round? This was in the second round okay. yesterday afternoon. So number nine is a reachable par five, so groups are waiting to get there. And two, even with that being the case, I had a buddy up there who said that by the time Rebula got to the number nine, T to actually play that hole. The group in front of them uh, was like hitting their approach shots on ten. So I mean, it was How, and and I mean nine to ten is it's not an extremely long walk, but it's not short. I mean, and even if a, they were getting eighth of a mile, maybe. Well, even if they're even, yeah. and even if they're getting cart rides, you know, the, yeah. the point being, and then ten's a hard hole because so I don't I can't expect <laughs> that a monster. I can't expect that hole to be playing very fast. So that goes to show how long of a process that that actually took because, like you said, a par 5 take is going to take 20 to 25 minutes, if not more, and then to get... So, I mean, that was probably a, a 35 to 40-minute decision right there. Yeah, it was. So, anyway, yeah. it, it went very wrong for him there. But, again, Auburn's still only three shots out, and they haven't teed off yet. 18 holes to go in Stillwater for Auburn. Right. They could still make it. But like I said, give give the kid give the kid credit for the integrity to do it. You could have easily just went to the tee box, pulled out a different ball, and act like it never happened. 100%. So, so congrats to... 100%. I mean, you know, he can sleep at night now, so that's good. And, and, and by the way, Way, guys, yesterday uh, when we had our heated discussion about the uh, uh, about the postseason and how we thought it could be better and everything, um, we were getting it wrong. It's actually the top five teams advanced. The reason why we were saying six is because we had it ingrained in our head from the women's regional. In women's golf, it's the top six advance, uh, and so. Uh, basically today in that Stillwater Regional, Sam Houston is on the bubble. At, at, they are in uh, in the five spot as of right now at two over. And Auburn, like we were just now talking about, is out. Uh, they are in the sixth spot uh, at five over, three back. And, uh, and Auburn's the 15th ranked team in the country. Yeah, exactly. And they and you know they uh, they haven't even teed off today yet. So yeah. um, basically. Uh, we just wanted to make that clear that it's the top five teams plus the individuals that get to go. Um, but boys, OU, speaking of that, they are on the bubble. Bubble watch right now for the Oklahoma Sooners uh, in Albuquerque, New Mexico. It's full on madness in Albuquerque. There are eight teams right now, legitimately eight teams vying for five spots. I mean, it, it it's going to get really dicey here for OU. OU, when we started talking about regionals just now, this segment, they were in solo fifth. Now they have dropped all the way down to solo eighth. And, and three shots out of fifth. It just shows you how quickly these things can swing. And we were talking with it about Woody. I mean, they, they're going to have to start playing some golf. I mean, and, just like right here, Reban makes a bogey. Lorenz makes a double. Just like that, they go from six under to three under as a team, and they go from fifth and, to eighth. And uh, so two things here. Number one, uh, Jonathan Brightwell is in solo first right now. And it's play yesterday he shot six under. Today he's bogey-free four under. Uh, in, in total, he's 10 under through 28 right. holes. And one thing we want to make clear, too, this is only the second round for the Oklahoma Sooners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for, the, for still other regional. The Stillwater Regional is the only one that is finishing today. They're, they're finishing today, uh, and they're in the final round, uh, even though they're still in a rain delay. Uh, or they're just now coming they, they out should, of the rain they delay. They should finish today, is what yes. we should yeah. say. Yes. Uh, so, but where, where OU is messing up, obviously, uh, Ben Lorenz took over for Patrick Welch today, uh, but and he was playing solid. He was one under par, but he just made a uh, made a double bogey uh, on number four. He started on the back nine, so uh, that's his 14th hole. So basically, you know, OU man, they they have their work cut out right now. They are at three under. Uh, South Carolina is in solo fifth at six under, so they're three back. But the problem here, boys, is that you have 
San Diego in sixth at five under. New Mexico in seventh at four under. Stanford at even. Nevada's even lurking at two over. And so, and then the problem here again is that the top four teams in this region right now they're they're at ten under or better. So you're, so, so you're really, probably you might not be able to catch them. I know that that, that five shots is not that much in team golf, uh, but still, I mean, they're gonna. Hope hope to get that five spot, but it's getting really really dicey here, boys. It is. I mean, they. I mean, let's just call it what it is. They're gonna have to start playing some better golf. We're we're halfway through the regional in Albuquerque, and OU just hasn't brought their best stuff yet. The number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament, uh, and right now they're three shots out of fifth place. So hopefully they can bring it in because I want nothing more than Bedlam for the national championship at Greyhawk. That would just be pure college golf electricity it would be absolute must watch tv everybody in the state would go crazy for it everybody's got to be there so i well, i'm i know everybody knows i'm i'm an oklahoma state alum i am rooting hard for ou to make some birdies yeah and the other problem is you know with that is that osu is peaking at the right time and ou seems to be uh tanking at the wrong time you know it, it to me it seems like osu might be your best team in the country right now based on what i've seen over the past 3 or 4 weeks yeah, you, you may be exactly right. I mean, we look we look at all these regionals going around, guys. The, you know, the three teams we mentioned a lot yesterday during our discussion were OU, OSU, and Texas. And Texas has finished their second round today. They're currently minus 15. They have a seven-shot a seven lead over second. They have a 12-shot um, lead over fifth and a 21-shot lead over sixth. So they're kind of in the same boat as OSU where they really have legitimate no chance to not get into the tournament. So it seems like of the three main schools that we had brought up and we're talking about um, that OU is definitely the one that needs to start picking up a little because I think the biggest point you mentioned there, Sam, is is that even though it doesn't seem like a lot with just five strokes with whether there being 27 or 23 holes left, however it may be, I mean, they're trying to t- catch good schools. I mean, Oregon State is leading at 19 under. Um, Texas Tech, Arizona State, and Texas A&M are the other teams that are 11 or 10 under. I don't think those schools are going to go are just going to fall apart because those are good. Those are good, solid golf programs. And so I honestly think that this may come down right. to a, who gets the fifth, who gets the fifth seed. Yep. And then here's a question I have for y'all, and y'all probably don't know this: if if there is a tie for fifth, how do they handle it? I, I, I believe, okay, so this is how it was at uh, whenever I was working at Carson for the 2018 NCAA National Championship. This is a little bit different scenario, but hear me out. So going from stroke play to match play, there was a tie, a team tie for which team would get that eighth spot in match play. So what they did is they sent all five players from each team out on holes 14 through 18. Each player was on one hole. They started, and you play that hole. If there's a winner on that hole, your team wins that hole. you got to win three out of five to advance. I don't know if it's the same way between regionals uh, and nationals, but that would be my guess as to how they would figure it out. But I I don't know for 100% fact. I I don't even know. In all my six years of playing college golf, it's very rare that in a regular season tournament – that you would have a te- two teams tie, and so like I never even saw it one time. I I, um, I saw it one time at um, it was my freshman year. I was actually playing as an individual, and you want to talk about one of the most you know, you had no control of the situation at all sitting there. It was uh, Oklahoma Christian went into a playoff with Oklahoma City, and they did kind of what you did, Col- what you said, Colby, except but with match play or with stroke play, I mean, where the, all five players played and you added up the score of they all count five players. all five? Or Counted they- all five, okay. yeah. Okay. And I've also seen it to where, like, for example, as we've all mentioned, you take, f- you take four of the five scores. I've seen it to where they take essentially the scores that they've thrown out 
and add those into the equation now and say, okay, well, was your worst better than their worst? And then that's how they decide. So yep. I'd be very interested to see if any of these regionals end up hey, in, in a tie fifth. And you, then we you, could, may, you brought up the perfect point yesterday, T-Dub. I mean, maybe I'm leaning more towards you, what you were saying about letting these teams get some buys. Look at Pepperdine and Wake Forest uh, in the Clee Ellum regional. I mean, they Pepperdine's in tied for fifth right now. They they would be uh, right on the bubble. And Wake Forest, the and Pepperdine's the seventh ranked team in the country. Wake Forest is the sixth ranked team in the country, and they're they're in eighth place. And they have Pepperdine ahead of them, who is not even in yet. I mean, it's. I mean, I don't want to get too much down of, of the rabbit hole because we talked about it yesterday. But yeah, it's like you see the ramifications afterwards, and you say, man, if we have a national championship with that OU or Pepperdine or even some of these other bigger programs, you're like, man. I wish there was a way we could have fixed that. Oh, wait, I did mention a way we could have fixed that. I, I, I know how we fix it. Pepperdine and OU play better golf in the NCAA tournament, which is what we are currently in. Hey, I want to give it No, up. the NCAA tournament's next week. No, in, this in three is weeks. the NCAA this tournament. This is regionals. This, this is, is not the, the damn Taylor, tournament, Taylor, Colby. 2021 NCAA Clee Ellum regionals. Regional, is, regional, not Taylor, tournament, Colby. Taylor, it's not the NCAA championship. It's the NCAA tournament. The regional is part of the NCAA tournament. <laughs> well, I want the top teams to get into the championship. Okay, then you should root for them to make birdies. <laughs> okay. Hey, I, hey, we, we Bo- both get Bogeys it. don't get you there. Bogeys don't w- get you there. What tournament should decide if you go to the tournament or not? The national championship. But I, it, it I just do the, not disagree. It, I, I could not disagree more with that. It's The it, fact that these schools are going to play three rounds of bad golf that they don't get to go to the national championship is a disgrace. It, it is truly part, is. It is part I mean, if of our, the NCAA plays, tournament, If though. Arkansas plays That's, two bad that, baseball games, they don't get through. They're playing three other teams, Colby. Not in a super regional. They're playing one other team in a best of three. They play two bad games, they're out. They don't get. They don't get to go compete for a national title. Hey, well, part of the NCAA tournament. We could talk about this all day, but we got a big. We got a lot of stuff to cover here, boys. How, but how, we got, how many teams make Omaha, Colby? Uh, eight. How many teams make this tournament? Uh, thirty. Exactly. My point. How much more? How much deeper is college golf compared to college baseball? Like you mentioned yesterday, like the eighty-first team shouldn't deserve it. The eighty-something second team in college. That argument saying how many teams make it to Omaha? There's only eight. That's what I just said. Yeah. Yeah. I'm saying that goes against your argument. They let 30 into the national championship. That's so, what I'm so saying. Exactly. So it's harder for a great college baseball team to make it in because there's only eight that get there. So that's my. But what I'm saying is there's a deeper level of competition. Is that I, not, does I that, mean, we're just going to have to agree. Uh, to I don't know. Go ahead. We did get way. some tweets, though, yesterday. People love the conversation, yeah, yeah, the, the yeah. passion behind the college golf. Because we are passionate about collegiate golf. Basically, we're just pissed if OU doesn't get in because we want to see better golf. I, I, want and, the, I want the best teams there. It's like, like for example, we talk about how if college championships would get in or whatever, but it's like you play a full regular season schedule for a reason. It shouldn't come down to a 54-hole hey, And to be fair, we, we were having this conversation yesterday before OU ever even teed oh, yeah. off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so, by the way, uh, I want to give a shout-out to uh, Tyson Reeder and Arkansas. They look like they are, well, uh, Arkansas is going to be right there on the bubble, too. That that region, uh, this is the Kingston Springs region in Tennessee. Uh, Arkansas right now is in third, but it is very bunched up there right on the bubble. you got uh, Arkansas at 5-under, NC State at 3-under, uh, Charlotte and Kent State at 1-under. And then you have the third-ranked team in the country, Clemson, who is in solo seventh right now. But our guy Tyson Reeder, uh, he is let me <coughs> let me see here. He is tied for seventh right now, two over on the day, uh, but he is two under on the tournament. So 
Uh, big, big shout out to Tyson Reeder there. Uh, and like I said, it's kind of the same point. A lot of these top ranked teams are not in as of right now, as of, you know, second round uh, yeah. for the region. Yeah, absolutely. Now, a lot of golf to be played. A lot of golf to be played. These things are going to work themselves out over the next uh, so, 24 one, to 30 one, hours. One last, thing like I'll, one last thing I'll say about the regional thing that is slightly a little different than baseball because and baseball can be determined on matchups, but where these teams get sent for the regional has so much dependence on it because if they go to a course that does not suit their game, it completely hinders them. And, I mean, I understand that, you know, you should be versatile and all that, but, I mean, it, you're playing against a totally different defense depending on luck because the defense is the golf course. And so, I will say that Florida State and OSU got a very good draw being ranked behind OU and getting to play at their home course. I, I, I will say, now, if you want to tweak where teams go based on rankings, that is a conversation but it's I would not be much possible more open to. to. Just, it's not possible to just wait until the last second, see who the one seeds are, and let them play at their home right, course. Right, because there's, there's too many logistical things that go into hosting a regional. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, that's... Okay, well, then the, the last thing I'll say to in that, Colby, if we did want to change it, regionals needs to be um, at, least, at least two tournaments long. It needs to be at least eight rounds, in my opinion. And one more thing, I just wanted to uh, bring up the to- uh, the Texas regional, um, the, the uh, Noblesville regional, it's in Indiana. Yep. Yeah, Texas, uh, the fifth-ranked team in the country right now, they are dominating at 15-under. Um, and then, you real, know, you have We've Tennessee. got a legit chance, real quick, for six Big 12 teams to make it. OU's on the bubble. Uh, Texas Tech is second in that regional right now. Baylor currently sits at fourth in the Stillwater. I Actually, hope they make it. They're, they're now T3 in the Stillwater regional. Our friend Kansas Mike McGraw. was playing good, weren't they? Kansas Kansas was. They've fallen back a little bit now, but TCU's in that same regional in sixth, only two shots out of fifth. So, I mean, there's a realistic path for six, uh, pardon me, yeah, six Big 12 teams to be at the national championships, which would just be remarkable for Big 12 golf. It'd be and, awesome. And Cole Hammer is just going crazy today. Uh, five under, he's in tied for third, or no, solo third now. Um, and he is uh, coming off that solid play last week where he barely missed the cut. I mean, th- yeah, they were going ten, so missed low. Yeah, missed 10-footer on, on this last hole. Thanks a lot for missing but, uh, the cut, but Cole Hammer. Bo- Bogey-free on the day-to-day, and so uh, Pearson Cootie tied for fourth. Uh, tri- tied with his teammate, Travis Vick. Uh, Texas is seems to be uh, playing some really good golf at the right time, too. The, the only team that doesn't fit that mold of teams that are peaking at the right time is Oklahoma. Yeah, hopefully they, some, they can make some birdies this afternoon as well as tomorrow. Still a lot of golf to be played, uh, and they're only two shots out of fifth now with a bogey from South Carolina. So a lot of golf to be played. We need to take a break, come back on the other side. We still have a full PGA Championship preview to give you. We're going to talk uh, range finders that we're using this week. What do we think about it? What have some of the players said about it? We'll give you all of our picks. Uh, DraftKings, best bets, one and dones. The whole lot. Talk about Kiowa, uh, the ocean course. That's coming up on the other side. Stay with us here on the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. McRae Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McRae Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McRae Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof, it is your home's crowning glory. Call McRae Roofing today at 405-692-4000. 
That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at mcrayroofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McRae Roofing for your free inspection today. Welcome back. Rolling along here on the 73rd hole. We are the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Cannot wait to be at Southern Hills next week for the Senior PGA Championship. We'll be up there Tuesday for sure, getting some interviews, uh, doing some things on Tuesday. We'll be up there throughout the week, and we'll definitely be there each of the four days the tournament's being played, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So keep an eye out for those shows that we'll be bringing to you. Also, there will be some overlap in our shows because we'll be talking Senior PGA. Also, the NCAA National Championships start next Friday at Greyhawk out in Scottsdale. Those run uh, Friday to Wednesday. So May 28th through June 2nd is the NCAA National Championships out at Greyhawk. Uh, Taylor, one thing that we realized we forgot to do yesterday, we forgot to show some love to the Corn Ferry guys from here locally who had some pretty good weekends, including one guy who did well enough to pop himself up into the top 25 of the season-long points race. And, of course, the top 25 get their PGA Tour cards. So let us know how the Corn Ferry guys did last weekend. Yeah, you know what, boys? When We got NCAA regionals. We got major championship week. You know, some things can get can get lost in the dust sometimes. And I apologize to friend of the show, Taylor Moore, I mean, the disrespect we showed by not shutting them out <laughs> it, it is unfathomable. But our man finished T11th, moved himself up to 24th, guys. Cracked that 25 mark, was 27th last week. Uh, top 11 finish, moves him up in the 24th. I mean, he has been trending. I believe, I did not realize this um, until it was pointed out to me. He was the most expensive on the, the DraftKings lineup for the Corn Ferry Tour really? last week. Yeah. So, uh, DraftKings is showing him some respect, and everyone should be because he keeps this play up. He's going to be on the uh, on the big tour before too long. And I'll shout out some of the other local guys. Um, Charlie Saxon, Kevin Doherty, and Josh Krill all had uh, top 40 finishes as well. And I will say, um, I was wrong last week. I didn't see him in there. Max McGreevy did play the tournament, did end up not making the cut, but he's in a very solid place at 13th on those rankings, so I really don't think he has much to worry about. I don't think he can fall outside of the top 25, but our boy Taylor Moore, if he gets himself one more good finish, that gives him enough cushion to where some guys below him won't be able to catch him, so I sure hope that happens, and we're coming down the crunch time here, boys, and there's not a more deserving player that deserves me on the tour than Taylor Moore, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. He's he's phenomenal, has been for a long, long time, and he was great uh, coming on with us last year during the COVID break for the game of golf, and we hope to have him on again in the near future to talk about his success this season on the Corn Ferry Tour. Uh, gentlemen, we've got some huge developments in the world of UFOs. It is now common knowledge that UFOs are are a thing that they are just up there doing their thing and they're crazy and they're fast and they're awesome. I can't believe awesome. that no one's talking about this. It was on 60 Everyone's Minutes. Everyone's talking about it. No, I know, but like before that, it was on 60 oh, okay. Minutes yeah, last yeah. night well, the, and like the now it's just like, oh yeah, aliens. It's like, oh, well, UFO's the, cool. Well, the Pentagon released it last year right whenever they made the COVID announcement. It's very interesting timing with all that. But yeah, that's when Pentagon made their first announcement was last year during all the pandemic stuff. So anyway. They sent out their first video. is from 2017 or something like that. So so they've made uh, it's made its way now to the PGA Tour and to noted scientist 
Bryson DeChambeau. Bryson DeChambeau is the number one scientist on the PGA Tour. And Bryson DeChambeau went on Sirius XM last night. And this is about a two-minute clip, but it is just so good. And this is Bryson talking about his UFO experience. So everybody, uh, buckle in and listen to Bryson DeChambeau, the mad scientist on the PGA Tour, as he breaks down his experience with UFOs. In Texas, in Dallas, yep. Texas, in my backyard, I was looking out uh, <laughs> outside, and not even kidding, we were just looking up at the, at, at, in the sky where Adam was. He's just looking at the clouds, and it was pretty windy that day. And Adam was like, "What the heck is that?" And, I, and we were all like, "What do you What do you mean?" He's like, "Dude, there's like two or three like white specks." And I'm like, "What?" And as I looked, I'm like, "Oh my gosh, you're 100 percent right." And Chris was like, what the heck is that? And for about 15 minutes, we were literally just sitting there watching these things move across the sky like uh, they were floating. We thought, oh, it's got to be like an air balloon or something or whatever. It was like, there's got to be a reason for it. And it's silver metallic. It was round and silver and metallic. had a top and a bottom to it. Um, so it was, it was dislike, but it was a top and bottom. So I actually have a picture of it, and I have it stored. And I, I went on Instagram Live for a little bit talking about it. Um, and literally, we, we all caught it. We all saw it. We all caught it. And there was three, uh, three little silver metallic discs that were probably, shoot, I have no, like probably 30 degree different angles uh, away, all in different, you know, uh, planes. So like one on the x-axis, y-axis, and z-axis, they were all like differently. You know, one was further away, one was up, and one was over the right. And they were all like moving, almost like in a triangle shape. And uh, they kept floating to the right. And then all of a sudden, one didn't move as the other two moved away. And they went further and further to the right, uh, more towards the east. And from that, uh, about 15 minutes in, 20 minutes in, they started moving back the other way. And so we're, we were out there for literally just about an hour, just under an hour, looking at these silver metallic discs, discs going, what the heck is this? And they didn't do anything crazy, it just looked like they were just floating and so we went inside and and came back out probably about five minutes later and gone they were gone you couldn't even see them they were there for almost an hour and then all of a sudden just disappeared that's bryson DeChambeau with his ufo experience last summer in dallas my theory and, and this is just my own personal opinion is that there are aliens who have developed aircrafts specifically to study Bryson DeChambeau and his speed training. That's my theory on the UFOs. <laughs> yeah, That's the, my the, the aliens are worrying about the distance. So I'll, I'll say two things about it. One is that this does not, to me, sound like a UFO sighting. It sounds like a SpaceX Starlink sighting, which I don't know if y'all know about that. We actually, I actually, me and my <laughs> girlfriend saw them going across the other night there. Elon Musk, SpaceX, they have a huge long line of them. They essentially look just like what Bryson talked about. And the fact that you, because the big thing about UFOs that people say is that they, they leave so fast, right? Like you see them and then they disappear. Bryson goes inside for five minutes and comes out. That's enough time for a ship to get out of the way. Here's what I think. you. I think UFOs are real, but they're not aliens. They are ancient past civilization technology that we have not been able to um, create again. <laughs> and because... Um, no, seriously, listen, listen. So, um, God, what's the guy's name? Um, he was at Area 51 who got... Um, accused of saying all this stuff and they said that the first ufo was an arc uh, was a like a um archaeology whatever you call whenever you get a uh, dinosaur out of the ground archaeology archaeology yeah it was archaeology discovery is what it was so it wasn't like in roswell where they think the ufo just landed they literally dug it out of the ground so 
there's been a lot of evidence. I mean, look at the pyramids. Look at huge uh, megalithic structures across the world. There was lost technology in our timeline that has been lost. And I believe UFOs are that. UFOs, in my opinion, are not aliens, but they are either high-powered individuals or people who have found the technology and been able to replicate it and are using it here. I do not believe we have people from Mars or other solar systems coming to us. The only other thing I could think of is maybe time travel, dimensional time travel. See, I think they want to study Bryson. That's, I like my theory. Sam? All, all this stuff's over my head. Sam, UFOs? Well, yeah, they're way up in the sky. They're over all of our heads. <laughs> I mean, Wa- I, watching over us with a watchful eye to see who wins the PGA I, this week at Kiowa. I mean, yeah, I guess aliens, they're real. I mean, I think that... I like, I, to, th- I I like no, to think they're up there with a telescope and they can look down on Kiowa this week and basically have a front row for every shot. The, the <laughs> one thing that, that gets confused a lot of times is because you'll hear a lot like now, ooh, they found alien life on Mars, you know, that kind of thing. And it's... It's like water molecules, you know? Like, there's a difference between, like, actual physical organic life and the gray-headed, big-eyed aliens that we think about. And where that idea came from, I mean, there's been examples of people that have have thought about that. Um, I wish I could remember the guy's name from Area 51. But nevertheless, my opinion on UFOs is they're not aliens out there. They are either time travelers or it's ancient lost technology that we have not been able to replicate again. Or, or we don't, or we have been able to, but we don't want to share it with the public. I think everything is on the table. Hey, this at this is point the perfect. With I mean, UFOs. with these deep thoughts, this is the perfect time to transition into how high were they? Ooh, how high? Hashtag how high? Um, who are we few going hundred with thousand today? feet? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Who do we want to go with today? I don't know. Let's look at the last the last uh, PGA championship in twenty in twenty twelve. Okay, just pick somebody off the leaderboard. Let me, let me, well, don't do David Lee. Right, we did right. that last time. I got it right here. Jamie Donaldson. Oh, Jamie Ooh, Donaldson. A good That's one. a good one. Hold on. Let me pull um, him up. Taylor, you want to guess first? You want me to? I'll I, guess first. I won't $1 Bob you. I'll, I'll make it roll. I won't, I'll, I'll guess at least five spots away from whatever you guess. Jamie Donaldson was a Ryder Cup player. Actually, I believe made the uh, ceiling putt and won the Ryder Cup. He was uh, good for a while. Give me 28. 28th? Um, man, Jamie Donaldson was also a guy who played a lot in Europe. And sometimes those guys can can go up a little bit higher in their stuff. I'm going to say, uh, I said I wouldn't go within five. So does that does that take 23 out of play? I'll give you 23 if you I'll, want. I'll it, go man. 23. Shout out LeBron. Sam? All right. Jamie. I got I got it right here. It's 23. It's you 23? It, you nailed it, Cole. Oh, yeah. that's November, a, November 23rd, 2014. I'm glad I implemented the uh, five position rule. Yeah, because that's the main reason I I guess twenty three. But I do. Do you see my point though? Because he played in Europe for so long, and I mean a lot of guys over there just accrue a bunch of points in Europe, and we don't really think much about him over here. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's not anymore. But Terrell Hatton was a top five player in the world, and a lot of people in golf don't even know who he is. Yeah, you know. And I so, mean, several years back, Alex Noren cracked the top fifteen. I think Danny Willett was in the top fifteen when he won the Masters. You know, I mean, guys from Europe just accrue a lot of points over there and well, make their way into these events. Martin Keimer, Lee Westwood, and Luke Donald were all number one players in the world at one point. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I should let everybody know. Let's say a UFO comes crashing down, and all of a sudden you've got back problems. It landed in your yard. It spooked you. Now you've got back problems. Why don't you go to spineclinicok.com? Check out what they've got to offer. Offer Dr. Beecham and Dr. Brawley are both avid golfers. They offer high-quality, individualized patient care. Beecham does non-invasive, and the Spine Clinic offers the capability to approach all options before surgery. Dr. Beecham specializes in interventional pain management, and he is double board certified in anesthesiology and pain management. However, if you are needing back surgery, Dr. Brawley received the honor of being listed as one of the 
top 20 under 40 spine surgeons in all of North America, not just in the U.S., all of North America, top 20 spine surgeons under the age of 40. Visit thespineclinicok.com, located off Broadway Extension on Britain in Oklahoma City. Uh, gentlemen, one thing, I don't know if we're going to be using rangefinders finders uh, to... to check the distance to ufos this week but i know we're going to be using them to check the distance to the pin a lot of these guys first off tony Finau learned that they were using range finders live in his press conference whenever he was asked about it tony Finau had no idea he was he was like oh really I, i'll have to talk to my caddy about that see what we're gonna do but most guys i've heard have said that they still want their books because they they need so many more numbers than just what they can shoot with a range finder so just Thousand level, you know, thousand feet up, high level opinions. What what are y'all's thoughts generally on using rangefinders in PGA Tour events, major championships, whatever the case may be? Yeah, I think it's a good change. You know, we've talked about this before a little bit on the show. Um, obviously, these guys will still use their books because you know they have distances to literally everything in those books. I mean, um, all the all the sprinkler heads and, and and you know you you trust yourself more than uh, more than the rangefinder a little bit in in some areas, but. Um, you know, if a guy hits it offline, it, it's a lot easier to get a get a yardage now, and so that's where I think the biggest change will be is when when a guy blows one, you know, fifty yards left of the fairway, he's going to be able to get a yardage where in the past he wouldn't have been able to. Yeah, you would have been literally using the Pythagorean theorem to try to figure out how far out you were and yeah, the X Y. Z-axis or whatever. Yeah, Taylor and I did that once whenever I was caddying for him. We did the Pythagorean theorem because we were trying to figure out. It was one of those where like two holes run sideways with each other and we were in the opposite fairway. It might have been on purpose. I don't even remember. But then trying I, to get I a yardage say it from was, there. Even though it probably wasn't. Trying to get a yardage <laughs> from there was a disaster. So we did a little Pythagorean theorem. And, did it work? Uh, I, I think we got bogey. Yeah. yeah. I, think, I think we missed club <laughs> on the approach shot. There's, there's nothing wrong with square with a square on the scorecard. Um, Bob Lazar was the name of the guy I was talking about. So anyone really curious about UFOs. Give it um, a Google. Look, 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 look that up. Give it so a Google. Give that, uh, give that a look. So, But, um, you know, the thing about rangefinders, guys, is is that – and, I, and I've, I'm, I've come around on this because I was – Wait, I, I, his name is what? Bob Lazar. B laser. And we're talking about lasers. Oh, perfect. That, that, that is a good segue. We're going to never caught laser. it. Yeah. I don't care if it's pronounced Lazar. On this show, his name is Bob Laser. <laughs> I, and, and hey, Sam, it's got a Z in it. Laser. Laser. So you pronounce you the Z, yeah. so now you know that it's right. But yeah. Phonetically. Yeah, ex there you go. Another good word. I, I, I use it. I love it. And so this is the way I see range finders, guys. And I, I've come around because I caught myself trying to be the stickler for the rules because I'm all about slow play and we need to stop it and these things are holding it up and – it's up to the player's responsibility. If you want to have all this information, if it's going to take you five minutes to hit the ball, you need to be stroked for it. If you want to have all this information and you can process it in 20 seconds, good for you. You know, it's it should be about the time that you do. It's kind of like basketball, right? Do you do you make a pass once or do you pass it 20 times? You know, and it doesn't matter. Hey, you just have to do it within 24 seconds. Well, you know, it, I went to a minor league baseball game uh, this yeah. past week, and they have the the pitch clock on them. You know, it's They're like what is college, it's 20, 20 seconds, I think. Uh, and once they get into their windup, then the clock goes off. So I think that um, – Golf should implement something like that. The only problem with that, however, is obviously you can't have a shot clock where they can literally see it. You'd have to have someone counting it down, which could get weird, you know, when having someone count numbers at you, you know, while you're 
trying to think about your numbers getting ready, yeah. you know, so, or, or yeah. you could just have it where like somebody monitors it. And if it's violated, then you go out and you get a warning. You yeah. get one warning per round after that, speed it up. If you haven't played next time you get stroke. Yeah. Stroke but then if, you, if it's just, you know, like keeping it in your head, then how's it, a guy could be like, well, I had no clue. It was 20 seconds. You know what I mean? This, right. so, this would be so it, otherwise this, I would have hit, you the, know the, what I mean? A little off subject, but this is how I would do it. The first player to hit always gets a little bit more time. Each player is... Because you just got there. Yeah. yeah. And so, And I would essentially do... Each player has three exemptions for the... Or two exemptions for the round. The third one, you're penalized, right? So, whenever you exceed your time too much, you get warned after the shot when you're walking the green. Hey, you were... Past time there, you're strike one. And it shouldn't be and, like, you know, if you're and, a second over or whatever, that, that wouldn't be a, a warning, I don't think. And, I think then, it would be like if you violated it very, you know... Yeah, very... Discri- very... Deeply, like, and yeah. and I also think that players should be allowed, um, you know, like when you're in the batter's box, Colby, and you wave up or whatever, and you want to step out of the box. You know, I think that players should be allowed to give themselves an extension without having that incurred. So that basically gives you, like if you gave two um, step-offs and two strikes, you'd essentially be allowed four times to go allow more than you're not. If you go five times taking long and you should hit the ball, you need to start getting stripped. Right, and yeah. just bringing it back to, to the rangefinder conversation this week, I think that there are two very positive uses for it. One, uh, I think that guys, whenever they're way offline, it's going to be a lot easier to get numbers because once you've lasered the pin from way offline, you've got your pin sheet. So now you know what your number is to the front. You know all these different things because you know you know how far the pin is from the front, all that stuff. The other, it let's say a guy shoots 83 on Thursday. He's going to go out on Friday Dude, you better get your head out of the freaking yardage book. You shot 83 on Thursday. You better laser the flag, pull your club, and hit. And that gets back to kind of what Taylor was talking about, player responsibility. I mean, if you're if you're 12 shots outside the cut line with six holes left, just shoot the pin and go. Yeah. We, we don't need to be stepping stuff off if we're 12 shots off the cut line with six holes left. Shoot the pin, 160, cool, eight iron, let it rip, and yep. just go from there. So those, those things I think are very positive. Tell you the truth. I don't really think it's going to speed up or slow down play. I think it'll be about the same because I think some of the guys will grind too much more over numbers. Some of the guys, like, we know Bubba is notorious for if he's playing well, he's really engaged. If he's not, Bubba's just trying to get to the 19th hole. Yeah. Bubba, if Bubba's going to miss the cut, if Bubba's five off the cut line with, you know, even like 10 holes to play or something, Bubba's just going to be shooting numbers and letting it rip. So, Well, and also, too, Woody alluded to this, and this is how essentially every Pete course I've ever played is where the greens may be big in size, but they're all on different plateaus and shelves. And so just because you know the yardage to the flag doesn't mean that's the yardage that you need to hit it. And like, and if the greens are firm, you're going to need to land it shorter and vice versa. So I think just knowing, it's like you said, Sam, I think that these these people are going to be using their books a lot more because they just have so much information in there. And that's vital information that these players need. And so, you know, we just go out there and play, and we shoot the stick, and we just aim right at the flag and hit it. And then that's when you short side yourself because you don't look at everything and you make a stupid boat, you know. <laughs> and so um, I think I agree with you, Colby. I think that to drastically slow down or in, uh, speed up pace of play, there has to be more no. than one change yeah. being implemented. Well, you it's know? not going to speed up play much, if at all. The only time, like I said, it, I'd see it really speeding up plays if a guy blows one way off yeah. line. If a guy's 80 yards off line playing from a sand dune or something, yeah. you don't have to try to figure out your yardage. Uh, okay, so Kiowa. Kiowa is famous for, it's got 10 holes that are actually on the coast, on the ocean. 10 holes. It's It truly is one of my favorite golf courses in major championship rotation. I love Kiowa. It's an unbelievable Pete Dye design. And it's designed so if those coastal winds get up, it just is an absolute monster. Right now, Thursday, 
Uh, by the way, every day is supposed to be nice and warm, 78, 79, 81, 84. So temperature won't be an issue. Guys aren't going to be cold in the mornings or anything. Uh, but Thursday, winds are projected to be 10 to 15 out of the east. Uh, Friday, 10 to 15 out of the east-northeast. Uh, Saturday, around the 10 number, but it looks like a little lower there on the spectrum. And then Sunday, 10 to 15. I tell you what, I'm looking at this, guys, and I just think that we all have to remind ourselves that a a 15-mile-an-hour wind, and John Ron talked about this earlier today in his press conference, a 15-mile-an-hour wind at Kiowa is not the same as a 15-mile-an-hour wind in downtown Oklahoma City. This is a wind that is whipping off the ocean. So I think if you just look at your your forecast and you see 10 to 15, I think that's going to be very misleading. I think gusts are going to be in the 20s most of the week with maybe Saturday being the exception. Well, I mean, an 8-mile-an-hour wind at Augusta is a wall of wind. Wall so, I mean, wind? <laughs> so, I mean, what is this? I mean, 15 miles an hour, I mean, what is that, a, a fortress of wind? Yeah. A, a, Two clubs. Uh, yeah, a, a castle of wind? I don't know. What, what are we going to phrase this And now? another thing you got to remember is these guys are used to playing in the tour bubble. They they never play in 15-mile-an-hour wind anyways. Right. So, well, I mean, this might feel ridiculous to them. And, you know, we talk about in Oklahoma we deal with a lot where obviously the cold wind is thicker than, than the hot wind is. And when, the, when that wind – I haven't played a whole lot of ocean golf, but that wind coming off of the ocean has a little bit of extra force to it as opposed to a traditional wind, in my opinion. And we also know this all the time, guys. The wind blows five miles an hour faster on a golf course than it does anywhere else. Hundred percent. It just it doesn't know, doesn't know what happens with, but they they attract the wind more than a field or any other city. I don't know what it is, but uh, golf courses always blow heavy. So yeah, expect expect some high scores this week, guys. I really do. I think I think Woody was on to something where I don't think they're going to make it seventy nine hundred yards. Um, one, yeah, I don't but I do think they were. There will probably be one day where they set it up really well, tough. And they opinion. have the capability to, to link, lengthen some holes that are playing downwind on that but Maybe, maybe day. it'll be Saturday. Saturday is the lowest forecast of wind of the week. Maybe that's the day that they set the golf course up like an absolute brute. I would expect it. It can tip out at 78, 76. That's what it tips out at. I would expect it to play closer to about 7,600 yards on average for the week because, you know, they'll move some holes up. They'll – even guys yesterday in the practice round set on the 17th hole, par three. Uh, John Ron said he – hit a two iron he absolutely flushed it barely carried the water jt said he hit a four iron did not carry the water it splashed i mean that can be an absolute beast of a hole if it's into the wind but kind of like i was saying i mean right now i'm looking at, at my app uh it says the wind most of the day today at kia was about 13 and i was watching live from the pga earlier and they were showing live people out playing practice rounds and stuff and those flags are moving so it's it's a stiff 13 mile an hour wind at kia so that'll be something to keep an eye on throughout the week I just hope that the wind is fairly consistent on Thursday and Friday to where we don't have half the field eliminated by the weather. That's what I want. Yeah, the, the old British Open look. Um, you the, know, the 2010 St. Andrews, shout out Louie. Yeah. Speaking of the field, what's the strength of field this week, Tito? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, um, I, uh, one second, let me pull that up real fast. But one thing I do want to mention to you guys, what, what was the best shot from the PJ Championship last year? Uh, it was driver. Colin Morikawa's drive on 16. Yeah, so... You would think that some hole in the back nine they would have to set up as a drivable par four, no? I would think that they would do it at least one of the days, but I would love to see it Sunday, yeah. I mean, I think it, at, at this point, Morikawa kind of stapled it. I mean, you need to have a re- reachable par four, at least on the back nine of the tournament. I, I think opinion. you have to if the course doesn't allow for it. You know what I mean? Like, if there's just well, every hole's a I mean, solid you, you hole. You know my stance, like, though, because I, mean, I said that Augusta should do that with number 17. Well, like whenever I remember I love it. when uh, we played the Transmiss when it was out at Oak Tree National, they mm-hmm. moved uh, number six up to play yeah, as but a that's driver. That's a short hole, regardless. Not I'm if saying, you put it back. I mean, it's four hundred and thirty yards. It's a driver. 
I mean, it's a for three, you. No, no, for no, you. no, no, no. It's a three wood wedge, like for anybody. For not for me. Okay, well, okay. So some of these holes out there on the back nine will be essentially the same. They're not all five hundred yards, you know. So my point being is, I, I think it would it's it would be more exciting to watch a drivable par four as opposed to a driver wedge. In I my agree. Opinion. It would definitely be more exciting, but. You still got. I mean, Pete Dye designed this course. He's one of the greatest designers oh, of all yeah. time. So why change up what he did completely and make a hole that's not meant to be drivable? Drivable just to do it. You do it for one day. You don't do it for the whole round. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We didn't play why, the whole. Why just do it for one day? Because it makes it's, it fun. Yeah, it's it more was fun. Like, like the number six at Oak Tree thing. I mean, it made it an entirely different hole. I mean, it was it was for me. It was a driver. You would hit two iron, but you know, I try to drive and you hit it down in that swell, and it leaves you in a tough spot. So if you're able to hit it on the green, it's such a risk reward, and it, it's just a nice change of venue. It's just like par threes. They I play some with, as two thirty, and they play some as one eighty. I, I mean, that doesn't change on, the integrity of the hole. No, I agree with you on that hole. Like that hole allows for it to be drivable. I'm saying like. You, you just got to be careful about it. You can't just do it to do it. Like, the hole has to allow for it, and the green, you know, has to be tough enough up there to where it's not just an easy birdie. I'll, I'll say this. I wouldn't want it to be 18. I wouldn't want 18 to be a drivable par 4 because that's I, I, that gets that's, a little that's a little goof, that gets a little like quirky Mouse, to me. Yeah. But, but if, like, the 14th, 15th, 16th holes, if one of those has a good green complex where you could take drivers off that hole, then I would very much like to see a drivable par 4 on the back. Now. I mean, here we go, guys. I mean, from the, from the tournament tees, 13 is 404 and uh, 15 is 421. Um, put them up from the shortest tees I see here. Um, we have 312 and 306. I mean, I, I, let me pull up the green complex real fast, but those sound like pretty good yardages for a drivable hole. Yeah, I, yeah. I think uh, 13 or 15, that'd be good too because, you know, if somebody uh, lays back there, misses the green, makes bogey, another guy goes for it, makes eagle or something like yeah. that, it's still early enough in the round. You still have several holes after that where you, you play. And, and um, We've seen the PGA do it at Bell Reeve too on yeah. number 11, I think it was, yeah. when they, they had that crazy big hill to the left and, you know, JT got up and down from that hill. But basically mm-hmm. I'm saying, they, they've done it on. Oh yeah, look at number thirteen here, guys. We got water on the right and little bunker left. That's a good. Oh, uh, that's over. a good hole. That that's reminds a, me of uh, the memorial. What what hole is on the back nine at the memorial and, where fit, they take fit, driver? Fifteen wouldn't be the uh, fourteen. Is that what you're talking about? Cole? Yeah, fourteen is the memorial where yeah. is water yeah. right, bunkers left, and uh, I can't remember who it was last year. Maybe it was Hovland hit it up there close. I think Hovland hit it in the water on the last day. Maybe Morikawa and JT drove it up there. But anyway, I would like I, to I, see it. I think thirteen is the best bet because, you, like you alluded to, Colby, sixteen is a par five and seventeen is a par three, so we can't really do it to those holes. Um, right. My vote is number thirteen. I'm, I, I remember this hole too because I think Tiger hit it. I think Tiger hit it left in the hay on that hole um, when he on Saturday when he had a lot of people don't remember this. I think Tiger had the solo lead at this tournament. Maybe it was tied for the lead um, going into Saturday at Kiwa in 2012 and finished like T10 or something like that. Yeah, he faded. He faded yeah. heavily. So, uh, all right, shall we move on to our DraftKings lineups? Time to make some predictions. Give let's, out the guys we like this week. Let's do it. Uh, last week was not was good for any of us. I don't think. No, I was six, which is out of the money. Y'all were. 10, 13, something yeah. like that, I think. So, Cole uh, Hammer and Pearson Cootie. I shouldn't have gone with the amateurs. Yeah, the amateurs absolutely hammered you last week. <laughs> Pun intended. <laughs> nice. Uh, so I'll start, and speaking of nice, why don't I just start at 6,900? Seems like a good place to start, no? Uh, I'm going to go with a guy who's just been really steady. He was pretty solid for me last week. I got Ryan don't Palmer. Don't do it. Go, Colby. I got Ryan Palmer at 6,900. I'm saying, I mean, hey. 
What's not to like? What's not to like about Ryan Palmer at 6,900? Not much. I'll tell you this. If if there are people listening who are flirting between a few guys in this range, I was between Ryan Palmer at 6,900, uh, Stuart Sink at 6,900, and Thomas Peters at 6,800. And I decided to go with Ryan Palmer. I think he's just a more consistent option uh, that, that far down the list. All right. Well, I'm going to go with 6,600 Taylor Gooch. And the reason why is because he's cheap this week. Uh, I I was able to put a couple other guys at the top. But, I mean, TG at 6,600, a guy that is used to playing in tough conditions, solid ball striker, um, used to playing Pete Dye courses. He's a member at one here, Oak Tree National. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think that uh, Taylor Gooch is a good value pick. Uh, I'm not necessarily saying that he would win the tournament or anything, but I'm saying that – DraftKings at 6,600. Taylor Gooch, uh, that's that's going to be my pick. Yeah, you don't need 6,600 to win the golf tournament. You need 6,600 to make the cut make the and cut. finish. Yep. I mean, T35, that's good value from a 6,600 player I, on DraftKings. Sorry, I was looking at my computer, Sam. I don't know if you if you said this, but you, you pulled it up earlier. Good bet. Uh, top 10, Taylor Gooch is 16 to 1, essentially. And, I mean, I think, I mean, like I said earlier, I spent 10 bucks on a lot worse things in life. So, I mean, yeah. I think that TG has a – he's going to be continuing in majors sooner, uh, soon enough. So, I think this this may be the weekend. Like I said, Pete Dicor. Um, Colby, I'm, I, I got to go back to back, so I'm going to start with the guy who's actually above because you already went with him, Ryan, <laughs> uh, Ryan Palmer, 6,900. I mean, has just been playing ex- exceptional golf. I'm, I'm trying to scroll back He's here, just guys. been steady, though. Look, guys, I'm going back. I'm trying to find a miscut. I got to go all the way back to Wingfoot to find a miscut for yeah. Ryan Palmer. I mean, he's been playing good. Um, looking back on it, he didn't he didn't make the cut here in 2012, but, I mean, that was nine years ago, so, I mean, a lot of things can happen between them. But I really love what I see from Ryan Palmer, 6,900. And then I'm going back down $100 more, 6,800. I debated between two guys. Another guy at 6,800 I think a lot of people will pick is Charles Swartzel. He's been playing really good and pretty undervalued. But he- I would- heavy fade for me, by the way, Schwartzel. Heavy fade. He's going to be highly owned, and his 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 floor is definitely a, an easily a missed cut for me. I, I I think that because of those reasons, Colby, I'll stay away. So I'm jumping on a he, band. He did make the cut here in 2012. Just he, he did. Yeah. He did. Yeah, and he's actually made the cut in a, in a lot of uh, PJ championships. But I think he's only made missed one in like 12 appearances or something. But obviously, PJ championship courses change every year. But I'm jumping back on the Bez- Bezanhut bandwagon guys. Oh, see Bezel. See, I mean, and I looked at the Thomas Peters too. I thought I thought about Peters. But I just think that this course really suits a, a Bazaden Hoot type of game. Someone who's, you know, not a bomber, doesn't necessarily blow you away with any major metric, but it's just so solid in every aspect of the game that I think he will be able to, uh, pun intended, weather some of the tough weather situations that, that, was, that will be coming. You know who his game kind of reminds me of, from what I remember about the 2012 PGA Championship? David Lint. David Lynn did not do anything exceptionally. Like, there was nothing that he just blew you away with. But you know what he did? He was just pretty good at everything. He finished solo second. And he finished a million-dollar check it or whatever yeah. it was. So, so hopefully, like Bazaine Hoot can do the same this week. I like that pick. Unless it's one of my one-and-done picks coming up. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't mind it. All right, I'm going to go from 6,600 Taylor Gooch all the way up to 7,900 Abe Answer. Big, big jump. Whoa. Abe Answer. I'm going I, – I, I love Abe this week ever since the uh, – Let's see here. Ever since the fourth round of the Masters, he hasn't had one round uh, negative strokes gained on the field. 
you know, he's his approach stats are some of the best on tour, gaining a half a shot on the field. Abe answers, and, and then we talk about short game, and the, a lot of people are going to be missing greens this week in the windy conditions. First of all, he's used to the windy conditions here in Oklahoma, uh, but his short game will be able to pick him back up if he does miss some greens. And, you know, Abe answer just make, cut-making machine. I'm going with him at 7,900. I think that's good value for Abe answer. He's been playing really good to get someone below 8,000. Like I, uh, I like the Bedlam lineup you've got going too. Got TG and Abraham answer. So I'm curious to see where yep. you go from here. Uh, my next pick, I'm going to give two here, don't I? So my next cheapest option is a 7,200. He's a guy I rostered at the Masters. I love him at Pete Dye courses. I love him in these big events. Show me a little Siwoo Kim love at 7,200. This is, uh, you absolutely have to have high risk tolerance to roster Siwoo Kim because you know that Siwoo could come out and easily miss the cut. He misses a lot of them, but when he makes them, he contends and he plays well. So uh, I like him this week. This week, he's an absolute ball striking machine. So I'll take Siwoo at 7,200. My next pick, and this one makes me really nervous. Makes me really nervous because I talked about him earlier, guys. He can absolutely shut down mentally if he doesn't get off to a good start. But he's driving the ball as well as he's driven it in maybe a decade. He, he's finding a ton of fairways driving accuracy-wise. He finished top 15 here back in 2012, and he's playing good golf this spring. So I'm taking what I think is a pretty big risk, and I'm rostering Bubba Watson at 7,500. Wow. He played good here in 2012. He did, he did play did. good there. He did. So I'm... I'm taking the chance that Bubba Watson will be engaged this week because that's my only question for Bubba. I think he's been playing good golf lately, but I, I truly never know whether the Bubba's going to show up that wants to win the golf tournament or the Bubba's going to show up that wants to have his weekend off. So whatever Bubba wants to do this week, I am completely at his mercy at 7,500. Well, I am going with a little bit of a sleeper. Everyone's talking about how everyone's sleeping on DJ this week. Well, they're really sleeping on this guy. Since the beginning of 2021, he's been one of the most solid players on tour. Obviously, he had a couple bad rounds in there after, let's see, after the Workday Championship, he threw in a couple clunkers of tournaments. But... You know, this guy comes to play in major championships. He played well in the Masters. And at 8,600, he's, he's the best value no, that Sam. you can possibly have. Tony Finau at 8,600. I mean, that that is a no-brainer for me. Finau, Tony Finau. Where you be, 9,600. So once again, I'm starting with my more expensive of the two picks because one of y'all stole it. So Tony Finau, I mean, let's just look at it. I mean, like you said, Sam, I mean, he's been struggling a little bit lately comparatively, but I look at the big tournaments. I mean, made, uh, Masters, he finished 10th, finished second back at the Genesis. That's when he lost in the playoff to Homa. Um, then he was on, before that, he was on a stretch of second place finishes. I just think that, you know, he's just a, a major gamer in the yeah. sense of he's he just fits major championship he, courses so and well. And he's had seven top tens and made 12 out of 15 cuts and we're talking about him like he's fallen off the face of the planet. Here's yeah. my only my only hesitancy on Finau and I, I don't even hate Finau this week but driving the ball has always been a strength of Tony Finau's his entire career and he has had a good run of losing strokes off the tee and that concerns me at Kiowa but if he finds that the other parts of his game have been really good and like you said he's a major gamer like he doesn't win these but he always shows up I will say off the tee this year he's having his third best season ever on tour and everyone talks about his putting stats I mean his putting stats he's gaining strokes on the field every every single round. I think he's so. I, he was really good. You remember the California swing whenever he was just in contention every week? He was striping it earlier in the year. I think three of the last four tournaments, though, he's lost strokes off right. the team. And, and so. to make it clear, where, where Tony Finau gains his shots m most of the time on the field is approach. I mean, he's almost gaining a full shot approach. And with these small greens... 
Yeah, you know? absolutely. And, and I will I will say this too. Not not saying Kiowa isn't a, a hard driving course by any stretch of imagination, but those courses that he did miss the cut on here recently were the Valero Texas Open and um, uh, which is at TBC San Antonio and Quail Hollow, well, and Wells, Wells Fargo, Fargo, which are yeah, which yeah. are which are hard driving golf courses. I mean, yeah. so that that will expose your weakness. But I think that he's going to get it around. So now that sent for the second time, I went uh, the higher of the one because one of y'all copied me. But I'm going back down to 7400. So that was a little bit of a different. Oh, I know who you're going to pick, and I like him. He was in my lineup, and then I changed it. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, you talk about a surefire thing with, with Finau. I mean, to get this guy 7,400 is just unbelievable. That's Brian Harmon. I oh, mean, that's he, not – okay, that's not who I had at 7,400. How do you think out? he'll play with the long long course? You know, I think that it's kind of like what, what Woody was iterating to. I know that the course will play long, but you're going to – you're going to miss some greens anyway, right? I mean, you, you're not yep. – no one's going to hit 18 greens in a round at this course. I, I don't see any way to do it. And, you know, I'm looking back on the results here. 18th at Wells Fargo, 13th, 12th, 5th, 3rd. Um, and, you know, the thing that I like, guys, is Pete Dye course, RBC, which is at Harbortown. Pete Dye course finished 13th um, and finished 8th at the American Express, which two uh, of the four forget, rounds – Don't forget the players. Players, absolutely, another Pete. How in the world did I forget that? The, the <laughs> best, the best final three holes in golf. How could I forget about that? Um, so yeah, even makes my more point more that he knows how to play Pete Dye courses. So I think I've got two really good values there: eighty six hundred and seventy four hundred for two guys who I think are. I don't. I, I, I'm not going to say I'll be shocked if they make the cut, but missed the cut. Missed the, miss the cut. Sorry. Um, yeah, with how my DraftKings have been going, I might be shocked if they make the cut. In all honesty, <laughs> um, but uh, but no, I I think both those guys are going to play really well this week. Yeah, I uh, so I I do like Brian Harmon. The guy at seventy four hundred that I really liked that I ended up not rostering. I had to choose between him and Bubba, and I chose Bubba. I really like Matt Wallace at seventy four hundred, playing some good golf. But he he's more of a wild card with the putter. It's like if he puts well, he's going to be one of the just random Euro names you can throw in the top fifteen. If he doesn't putt well, that uh, he has a pretty low floor. So anyway, Sam. Well, I am going to go with one of the most consistent players on tour. I have no idea why DraftKings has him at 8,700, but I'm going with Daniel Berger, a guy that Dadded Golf loves this week. They have him in their top five players of uh, guys to watch watch out for uh, analytically uh, because really analytically since the beginning of 2021, Daniel Berger's only had one round where he lost one, more than one shot on the field. I'm sure that was at Waste Management when I picked him. It, it was, uh, yes, it was at Waste Management <laughs> in round two. Uh, so, <laughs> Let's go. Uh, so, yeah. Good Lord. But yeah, I mean, Daniel Berger, he's used to playing uh, golf in that area of the country, going to, you know, school at Florida State, that type of grass and everything, you know. Um, Daniel Berger has that low ball flight, too, in the wind, that low cut off the tee. Um, man, I, I love Daniel Berger this week, and he would definitely be on my best bets as well. You know, one thing I'll say about Daniel Berger here, a lot of people don't forget, he's up to number 16 in the world now. Um, back in 2017 and 2016, he was around the 34 to 28 range. But it, at the end of 2019, guys, he had dropped all the way to 154th because of his injuries. He dealt with the wrist injury for a long time, and a wrist injury for a golfer is just, I mean, some guys never bounce back from and, wrist yep. injuries. And so, shout out to Berger for a, not just being able to get his game back, but to get back to an extremely I mean, high level. 11 out of oh, 13 yeah. cuts and five top 10. Yeah, yeah, year. yeah. I know about one of those cuts he missed, by the way. Um, <laughs> I mean, and we, and we, finished, finished third last week at, at the Byron Nelson. I mean, I mean we, that's we've good. basically gone from meat and bread only to cheese, bacon, mustard, ketchup, pickles, <laughs> tomatoes, lettuce. We've got the full burger now yeah. going. Might even Daniel throw burger. an egg on there. A, a little eggnator. I like uh, it. I like yeah. it a lot. Uh, so my next one, I'm going to go with a guy who plays well in the wind, who has gained shots on approach in his last six events. 
and who knows how to win a major championship. Give me a 7,800, the reigning open championship, the reigning open champion. Oh. <laughs> Give me Shane Lowry. Wow. Shane Lowry at 7,800. I really like this week because I think you can get him at low ownership in your DraftKings pool. And I think that he has a really high upside. Uh, and, and like I said, I love what he's doing with the irons, gaining shots on approach. He is the reigning open champion. That sounds so weird. That feels like a tournament happened 10 years ago. It does. It does. But hey, they got the insurance payout. So yeah. I didn't see yeah. the full price. <laughs> but, well, well, I was reading earlier because Wimbledon canceled the same time. They got $200 million for that. So I'm assuming the British Open was within somewhat comparable. We'll just amount. call it $200 million. Yeah. Yeah. Why yeah. not? Would you rather have $200 million or play the tournament with no fans? So 100, I think- 100% I'd rather have $200 million. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Matt, absolutely. Let's, actually, let's make it 200%. 1% for every million. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, my next pick, I'm jumping from 7800 I'm going to skip the eights. I'm going to skip the nines, and I'm going to go to 10100 for my second most expensive option this week. I don't always roster him. Jordan Spieth. Yeah, call me, call me. I mean, God. look, guys, he takes five weeks off after the Masters. He gets COVID in that time. He switches golf balls. He, he's still been playing the 2017 Pro V1X. Last week, he puts the 2021 Pro V1X in because it felt like he, he had better feel around the greens with it. Played well last week and didn't win. And that's what I like. He won the week before the Masters. And I'm like, ah, oh, guys don't win the week before the Masters and then win the, the next week. He didn't win last week, but he played well. Jordan Spieth, I think his floor this week is like top 20 and I think his ceiling is hoisting the trophy and completing the career grand slam so at 10,100 how can I not roster Jordan Spieth I don't mind that I think Spieth will have a good week I don't think he'll win Uh, I do have I'll kind of say this while we're talking about Speed. One of my best bets is Speed plus one thirty versus Sanders Shoffley this week. I oh. think. Wait, it, you're getting plus one thirty with Speed. With Speed, Speed is wow. plus money versus Xander this week uh, on tournament matchups. We haven't had much Xander talk. We'll get we'll, yeah. after DraftKings. We'll do a little Xander uh, talk. Well, I'm not going to have him. So <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm going to go from eighty seven hundred Daniel Berger to eighty nine hundred Cam Smith. And Cam Smith is a guy that I think is going to finish in the top ten this week. Cam Smith is just a big time player. You know, he's made 12 of 13 cuts, five top tens on the year. Uh, and obviously this year at the RBC shot at 62 in round one and have one of the mo- best analytical rounds on the year. Cam Smith, uh, I mean, his putter has been lights out and around the greens approach off the tee. Everything is just super solid. He's a major championship type player. Uh, and I think you c- might be seeing Cam Smith hoist that trophy at the end of the week. I'm not going to pick him, but I wouldn't be surprised. You've been on Cam Smith all year. Yeah. With, with and, some success. Yeah, yeah, no, he's been a very underrated player this year, Cam Smith has. And like I said, I'll keep saying it. It's the only player to have all six rounds of 60s at the Masters is Ultimate Swag. So I'll. you actually didn't um, take my most expensive guy, but you took my second most expensive guy, Colby, and Spieth. And I'll just allude to him a little more. I mean, at the PGA Championship, missed the cut his first two times, 2013-2014. But excluding last year at Harding Park, where he didn't really have his best golf anyway, he still made the cut, finished 71st. But in his other five appearances in there, his worst finish is 28th. And then he has a second, a third, a 12th, and a 13th in there. So I think that he likes the way that the PGA Championship can set up courses. And with how well he's playing, um, I, I don't see any reason. I think it's actually really good value for him. And then my next pick, guys, I have him everywhere. That's what scares me the most, but I am loading up on it. I actually think he wins by at least two to three strokes. Give me DeChambeau. Whoa. Wow. See, wow. I think you fade DeChambeau this week. I, I I think he gets it clicking this week. I do. Why? 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 I See, th- I think – well, go ahead. Go ahead. I think that – 
few things. One is that the course is playing longer. So if he wants to hit his driver, if he's hitting his driver well, he can. But it also will give him the option to lay back with an accuracy club if he wants to. Um, the thing I'm worried about is if the wind does pick up, his analytics side of it may may hurt him. But at the same time, I think that with him being able to hit higher, softer shots in some of these Pete Dye greens, that allow him to get onto more plateaus easier than some other players would, which will allow him to birdie some holes that a lot of players are... That A, a, a hole may average like 4.4 for the day, and he could have a 10-foot birdie putt, that kind of thing. I think there'll be a lot of holes out there where he'll be able to put himself in better situations than other players will. But like we know at DeChambeau, if he gets just a little bit off of the driver, he'll finish 50th or may not even make the cut. But well, I just have a weird feeling that this is that week. I just see... like. What he was, he brought this up, and I had thought about this too. You know, on Pete Dye courses, you know, they, for the longer hitters, the fairways come in and they're a lot more narrow. So he could be getting himself in trouble. And with those smaller greens, you don't have that much room to miss if you do miss the fairways. You know what I mean? His course strategy this week is going to be fascinating to watch because there's a million different ways he can play this golf course. How often do we ever see Bryson, you know, control his trajectory into the wind at like off the tee I'm talking yeah I don't see to me I'm not like fade Bryson but I'm not like Bryson's gonna win the tournament I'm very neutral on him this week I I really see like a T I see like a T17 finish and then coming my, for Bryson yeah and then my last point on Bryson is obviously his putting stats are really good but with the greens being how they are and smaller and everything slower pass know, pal them they yeah, keep them slower in yeah, case the winds do I mean, start raging is is that really a huge advantage? To you know what I mean? I I I don't know that Bryson is even going to play that well this week. I, I I think he might have a dud of a week. See, I'm, I'm not going dud. I'm not going win, but I'm not going dud either. Sam, who's your no, I'm, I'm in your boat. I, like I totally agree with you. You got anything teed up on that? I mean, I'll just I'll just say like you said. I mean, he's putting the best that he has in his career. So I think that one thing too for Bryson that that'll help him is is that. He's confident enough with the putter to make those 8 to 10 foot par saves that you need to keep rounds going, which is something that he wasn't able to do for a lot of time in his career. And so I, I just What you mean when he was going side saddle? <laughs> yeah, where he was he was literally DFL and putting and now he's a top 10 putter in the world and no one's talking about banning yeah. um arm or some, mo- most people aren't talking about it. But nevertheless, I just I'm looking at those things and I just have uh, but anytime I have a weird gut instinct and I load up on someone, they literally shoot 80 like Rory did at the Players' Championship. <laughs> so, um, I mean, that's that's the only thing I'm worried about. But I, I, I just, for some reason, have a gut feeling I think DeChambeau plays well this week if he's um, if he's not just trying to swing 230 miles an hour each time, maybe yeah. doing a little bit of that control factor. Okay, I got you. Uh, well, I'm going to go from 8,900 Cam Smith to my winner of the tournament. Uh, obviously, the best value on DraftKings that I can find. Uh, they have him. Only at 9,300, I'm going with Victor Hovland to win the tournament. And he's my highest DraftKings. But Victor, I mean, he's been on an absolute tear uh, since the start of 2021. I mean, ever since he shot 65 in the uh, first round, or the second round, excuse me, of the Farmers Insurance Open. I mean, he only has a few rounds, handful of rounds where he loses shots on the field. And, And a couple of those were even in match plays. So, I mean, stroke play events, this guy is an absolute baller. He's only missed one cut, I think, on the year and had five top ten or seven top tens. 14 out of 15 made cuts. Um, and where he gains most of his shots is approaching off the tee. He's one of the best ball strikers on tour. And in that wind, you got to hit the ball solid. Uh, and the PGA sets their courses up for first-time winners. I mean, we see it all the time with JT or Morikawa, or you can go down the list. But I think that it is – 
Victor Hovland's time uh, to win that major, um, and I, I would love to see it. So. I would love to see Victor Hovland. Love, love, love to see Victor Hovland hoist the trophy this week. My most expensive pick would also be a first-time major winner. He's also recently a first-time father. He is John Rom. I think John Rom this week, John Rom's got some creativity. I like the way he uh, can maneuver the ball around the greens. I think that John Rom this week... I, I just, I love John Rahm. Love him this week at 10500 That makes him the, what is that, the fourth most expensive option on DraftKings at 10500 The three guys above him would be DJ, JT, and McElroy. None of us used any of those guys. For me, it was just a value thing. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't dislike any of those guys this week. I just couldn't get myself to lessen my lineup elsewhere to get all the way up to 11-5 to take Rory. Yeah. I, that's exactly how I felt. Yeah, and it's like, you know, for example, we're talking about DeChambeau and, you know, what all what will his advantages do. I mean, we can look at everything. I mean, uh, you know, Rory won the last tournament he played in, so a lot of times you don't come back and win after that, even though he has had success here. DJ has the knee issues that we've talked about. Um, I mean, Rom, for for what it's worked, didn't, partic- didn't play particularly well last week, so, I mean, maybe he's not on the best of form. It's just there was n- no one up there justified the price to go more than uh, more than a few hundred dollars over DeChambeau. I just um, I just didn't see it myself. So yeah, absolutely. So one one more guy I want to ask y'all about before we get to our one and done picks. We briefly mentioned Xander Shoffley, who none of us are on this week in DraftKings. We'll, we'll see about one and done. But Xander Shoffley this year in 2021, starting at the Century in January, fifth, second, second, fifteenth, thirty ninth. Only missed cut was at the Players. Players, Pete Dye, it can get weird. Um, of course, this is a Pete Dye course this week. 18th at the match play, third at the Masters, 11th at the Zurich in the team event, and then his last event was two weeks ago at the Wells Fargo, finished 14th. Y- you know, I do like Spieth in that head-to-head bet, but I could absolutely see. We talk about first-time winners at the PGA. It wouldn't shock me if Xander popped this it, week and had a good week. It wouldn't shock me. However, We've seen it time and time again that he puts himself in that situation uh, on Sunday on the back nine and can't get it done. Um, and, I mean, if you look at the stats just by by the book, I mean, he, he would obviously be – and I don't I don't hate him for DraftKings. I actually would like him for DraftKings this week. He just didn't fit my lineup. Uh, but for a guy to win the tournament, I don't see it. Um, and, and he's going to have to prove me wrong before I pick Xander to win a major because what I see from him is uh, just, you know, timidness coming down the stretch on, on back nines of Sundays. Yeah, I, I mean, we saw it with the wall of wind on 16 or the 70th hole at Augusta. Um, just one of the worst shots ever. And, and yeah. you know, the the thing you could say about Shoffley is he has been trending in this tournament. Missed the cut in 2017, 35th, 2018, 16th, uh, 2019, moved up to 10th in 2020. So every year he's played this tournament, he's gotten a, a little bit higher. So if he does finish higher, he will have cracked the top 10 and potentially be up there on the weekend, which it wouldn't shock me either, especially if the conditions do get tough because he, he is that type of grinder type to be able to make those tough pars and to birdie some of the harder holes out yeah, there. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, let's move on to our one-and-done picks. I don't even remember who we all had last week in one and done. I had Gooch finished uh, T39, I think. I don't know where y'all I were at. I had Leash so. Mini finished 20th, I think. You go, I think that was the highest of the three. Who did you have, did I have last week? But we're doing two picks anyway, so we'll snake draft them. Okay. Just give us oh, one, and wait. we'll snake around. Wait, hold on. Was we're trying was to last week? I don't remember who you had. Wait, Rory won last week. No, last uh, week was two weeks. I mean, sorry. 
Okay. Byron Nelson was Case Lee one, but I I can't remember for the life of me who you had in the one and done. No idea. Well, we'll have to look. Well, well know. who knows? <laughs> because Sam might pick this, the same golfer. Here, so. why don't I just pull it up? Because I'm about to have to type your picks in <laughs> who anyway. Who did I pick so. at the Byron for one Taylor, and done? Taylor, you start. Sam had. Or here, here, uh, oh, th- you had Scotty Scheffler. Oh, that's right. Oh, okay, that's yeah. right. You had Scotty Scheffler. Here, how so. did Scotty finish last week? We didn't cover it yesterday. Uh, he was in the 30s, okay. something like that. Here, 35th, here, let's, maybe. let's do this because I already had it pulled up, and, and Sam brought it up earlier, and we forgot to do it. Let's do, Before we get into the picks, let's do the strength of field game. Strength of field? Uh, Sam, you want to guess first? You want me to? I will go. I've got mine. I've got mine holstered. I'm ready. Go ahead. 869. Nice. I'm going to go 730. Y'all might not believe this. 916. Whoa. Wow. That's high. Whoa. 916. I went down a little bit because of the club pros. Yeah, but I mean... The PGA's field is so big, it's though, such a yeah. huge that field. even with the club pros, I mean, the top 100 in the world are there. I mean, it's always a high strength of field, but 916 is through the roof. Yeah. I mean, I, I love it. I'm scrolling through here. I can't find many players, if hardly any, outside the top There's 100. one. Uh, was it Matt Wolf who's yeah. not playing? Yeah. And because Tiger jumped outside the top 100. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, there's only one player inside the top 100 not playing this week. That's so, crazy. That leads to a strength of field of 916. Unbelievable. Uh, so, basically, a lot of world ranking points on the line. Um, my first one yeah. and done pick, I, I mentioned earlier, I'm running them out everywhere. Um, I was saving them for this event for whatever reason, just gut feeling. DeChambeau, I, I think he's your winner. And I actually, unless someone goes out there and makes a run at him, I just have a gut feeling. I think he wins by multiple you shots. You like DeChambeau okay. better at the PGA at Kiowa than you do at the U.S. Open at Torrey. Yes, I think okay. he, I think he put, I think he'll putt better here than he does on, on at Torrey. Okay, okay. Yeah. all right, fair enough. Sam, go ahead. Uh, are we saying both of them? Did just, you say just, both? Just of them? one. We'll just snake, 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 okay. 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 snake okay. So I'll get right. both mine, and then we'll snake back. All right. Around. Well, then I'm going Victor Hovland. Uh, yeah. He's you my said, winner. You said he's your winner. Winner of the tournament. I mean, I already talked about him, but I, I would just love to see uh, Victor um, get up there and. Win the tournament. My computer keeps wanting to autocorrect his name to Victor Holland. Yep. So, I guess you'll, you'll have Victor Holland this week in the one and done. Congrats. Right. If, if, if Holland gets it done, you'll be in good shape. <laughs> uh, what's your other one? Uh, and then I'm going to go with uh, Rory. I'm Ooh, going with Rory. Two big dogs. I was going to say, you're running out some guns. I, I'm running out my guns. I mean, I think that Rory is trending oh, in the right I, direction. I guess I yeah. screwed up the snake draft, didn't I? I didn't yeah. get mine yet. You totally screwed I don't it up, Colby. I what just are figured you, you want me to do it. Nope, that's all right. right. Whatever. Hey, so. make sure to do that in our next fantasy football draft when you forget. Just let me <laughs> right? have your pick, yeah. and then I'll take <laughs> yours. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going with Rory. I picked him when he won at Quail Hollow. Uh, but I didn't put him in my one and done like an idiot. Uh, but this week you're I only am, an idiot if he doesn't win this week. If he wins this week, you're a genius. I am picking him uh, to win this week at the PGA. I mean, I'm picking Hovland to win. I'm picking Rory to be you know up there in the solo top five. Or, yeah, solo yeah. second. That All would right. be uh, a nice finish for you this week. I guess I'll give both of mine now in the modified snake draft is what we'll <laughs> call it. Uh, so my first one, we talked about it earlier. We went from, from meat and bread to all the fixings. I'm going to go with Daniel Berger this week. Daniel Berger like didn't roster him in DraftKings. I don't want to have exposure everywhere, but I, he's just hitting the ball so, so well. Just the irons have been so great lately. If he keeps it in the fairway, he'll be a, a top 10 guy this week. Another guy, and this is a name that we have not yet mentioned on the show in any context. Corey Connors, I'm running out this week in the one and done 
Absolute ball striking machine. Hits the driver, I think, better than most people give him credit for because everybody focuses on his iron play. He hits the driver incredibly well. You look at the strokes gained uh, off the tee statistics this year. I mean, behind Bryson, Corey Connors is right up there with about as good as it gets this year. So I think he'll be playing from the fairway a lot, and then his irons are absolutely phenomenal. Corey so. Connors gaining uh, .69 shots off the tee. Didn't year. know that. Love it. Nice. That, I mean, that makes me feel so much even more confident. Actually, I'm going to reverse the order now that I know that. I'm doing Connors one, Burger two. <laughs> all right. Either yeah, way, it's going to catch the same. And excluding, excluding Connors' 0-3 um, record at the match play, his uh, last time he missed the cut was at the Genesis at Riviera. So, I mean, he has been on some good form. And, you know, you mentioned earlier a guy who we haven't mentioned in the show, and we kind of talked about him a little bit earlier just because of his uh, past tournament here. But give me the... Maybe the best ball striker in the world. Give me Colin Morikawa. Really? Okay. So we really haven't talked about him. Much. Talking about a little bit with Woody, but defending champ, running him out. Defending champ. I think that I think that ball striking will prevail in the wind. Like Woody said, if you're not hitting the ball solid with the wind, it's the ball is going to go everywhere. You're not going to have yep. any control. I think that that's going to help him prevail. His only appearance in the PGA Championship, obviously, was last year when he won. So he's got some good vibes. Um, really looking back on it, guys, hasn't. The only time he didn't play very well in the match play and missed the cut um, at the team event, but other besides that, finished seventh at the RBC, 18th at the Masters, obviously won um, at concession down in Florida. Um, I just think he's kind of had a slightly, I wouldn't say it was an underrated year because he would probably do better, but we just expect so much from Morikawa because he made 25 or whatever it was straight cuts in a row. So, I mean, you have your off weeks. I just think he's such a good ball striker. That, that, that'll help him fill. And I'm running out to the top, what, eight players in the world or something at one of the biggest purses of the year. So I sure hope they hit. T-dub. Unlike Morikawa did for, for you guys at uh, at TBC Sawgrass. Don't know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, <laughs> I don't remember that. Yeah, don't remember that. No, don't Can't remember that. falling off the map. But I, mean, I, I have blocked that tournament from memory. <laughs> I, I ran out Cantlay and Webb at, at the players. We both did. Yeah. I, don't, I don't remember where we, we ran out Morikawa. Out more, I don't think I've run out Morikawa I don't know yet. if I, I may be wrong. Either. I was trying to talk smack, and I talked yeah. smack in the wrong way. Well, By the way, with Morikawa, T-Dub, I thought that you were the guy that always says stay away from defending champs. I do. I do. I do. And it's, you know, it's one of oh, those... I use him at the Masters like an idiot. That was where it was. Hey, but that God, was what an idiot. Have I used Morikawa yet? No, you haven't used him yet. What an idiot I am. Golly, unbelievable. I, I don't know how... I guess I got him and Webb mixed up. Um, but yeah, defending champs, it's hard to pick. You know, you want to pick a winner, but... At the same time, you know, you even brought it to my attention, Sam. We have Brooks Kepka. He won, you know, before Morikawa. He was won 17 at Bell Reeve and um, yep. 18 at uh, Bethpage. So right. I think that, or I'm sorry, 18 at Bell Reeve, 19 at Bethpage. My apologies. Correct. 2017 yep. Yep. was at Quill Hollow when JT won. So, um, so yeah, that, that's what I'm running with, guys. I think that um, I'm running out the big dogs. Um, I don't mind the Corey Connors pick. I just, I don't think that he'll be, I don't think he's at a point in his career where he can win a major championship. Okay, fair enough. We'll, uh, we'll see how he plays. This week, moving on to best bets. Y'all know me. I always like to try to find some value down the board, find some long shots that I can sprinkle a little bit on. And I've got two guys. One's at 45 to one. And I mean, you're going to have to hold your breath all weekend if you bet this guy because he just can't find ways to win. But he should have a chance at some point. And I talked earlier, I'm a little worried about him off the tee. But if he now puts it all together, yeah. I mean, dude, if he puts it all together, he is 45 to 1, and his talent so far eclipses a 45 to 1 number. It's not even funny. And then the other guy that I'm going to run out, I have a little bit of concerns about his health. We haven't talked about him, but 
I mean, Brooks Kepka is 50 to 1. I, I, I don't care about the knee at 50 to 1. At 30 to 1, I care about the knee. At 20 to 1, I care about the knee. At 50 to 1, I will blindly run Brooks Kepka out in a major and just see what happens. I don't mind that. Uh, I have. I have a couple best bets. I, I like Hovland uh, at plus 160 to finish top 10. Uh, I like Answer at plus 300 to finish top 10. And I like Gooch at plus 1600 to finish top 10. Uh, and then Hovland, obviously, at uh, 20 to 1. And then Spieth versus Xander. Uh, I like that uh, Spieth is plus money in that tournament matchup. And then I have one more tournament matchup. A guy we didn't bring up who's actually been playing really good golf lately. Paul Casey uh, in... The last in 2012 in the PGA, he shot 79.85 on this course. 79.85, Paul Casey. Last time he played here, obviously he doesn't like this course, and I and I think that uh, in a tournament matchup, Justin Rose plus 130 versus Paul Casey, you can get plus money in that. I think Rose is going to win anyways, so I like that. Not bad, not bad at all. I'll give out. Um, I don't have the the the, uh, the lines in front of me, but I have the DraftKings lineup, and I'll, I just want to throw out a couple guys who I considered putting in my lineup, but I didn't. One guy who we haven't talked about, who I think will have a pretty good week at ninety one hundred, Patrick Reed. I mean, yeah, we all hate yeah. him for for what he does. Um, I tried the- to actually fit him in there, and I couldn't. That's what she said. Um, so, <laughs> um, yeah. So at uh, and I wouldn't I wouldn't pick on this guy to win, but I think he's really good. DraftKings uh, pick seventy nine hundred. Adam Scott. He always plays good in PJ Championships. And this is a guy who I would if you could find some good value on the odds, guys. You might have him in front of you. I think Joaquin Neiman has a chance to break through this week. I really do. He Neiman plays good golf, but man, he struggled in majors. I think he's missed the, the cut in like half the majors he started. Now he's young. He started in maybe 10 majors in his career, uh, but I think he missed the cut in like half of them. And he is 66 to one though. And his talent, uh, like I was talking about earlier with, with Finau, his talent probably eclipses a 66 to one number. And the, um, w- another pick that I would, like I said, I don't think he'll win the tournament, but a guy who you've been on a little bit, Colby, um, I think he finished third here in 2012. That's Keegan Bradley. I think yep. he's, I think he's going to have another good week this week. I, as well as I love Keegan Bradley so this week. I he, think he, go ahead. Sam. He's no, 85 to one. Yeah. Keegan, 85 to one. Keegan Bradley. I, the, I put Cam Smith in instead of Keegan Bradley, uh, but, however, lately he's been striking the ball so well and his strokes gained off the tee and everything have been awesome. And then, like you said, back in 2012, he finished tied for third, I think, right? And so, uh, Keegan Bradley, that's a, that's awesome value right there, too. Yeah, absolutely. Right, right. He, he was putting with the belly that week. Right, Sam, i got to ask you a question. You're going to fight between battles here. They're both 6,600 on DraftKings. You picked one of them, so I know who you would probably pick. But you got TG at 6,600 and your boy Antoine Rosner at 6,600. Who, yep. who are you going to be rooting for? Both of them. I'll be rooting for both of them. I, I just think that uh, TG has a little more experience in the wind than maybe Antoine does. And this is this being Antoine's uh, first major, right? I believe I, I this is his major championship debut. Yeah, so I, I think that I, that's one of the reasons why I went with TG, but I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, obviously play golf in Kansas city. It's a little less windy there than it is here in Oklahoma, but I mean, not that much, you right. know what I mean? And so it still blows. Yeah. So he, he's used to some wind uh, and I would not be surprised. Another guy that I think could actually play good and surprise some people on DraftKings that I had uh, and then took out of my lineup is Steve Stricker. Steve Stricker's way down the list. And if, if for some reason you think that uh, this course is going to play 
pretty difficult. Steve Stricker's your man. Uh, I mean, he's been playing really solid golf on the Champions Tour, and I know this course is longer, but his short game and iron play is really uh, – long iron play is really solid. Absolutely. A couple, uh, a couple things we need to get to before we get out of here. We'll give you a regional leaderboard update momentarily, but I wanted to go through the featured groups that we've got this week at the PGA Championship. We've got five featured groups. Uh, now, the coverage this week is just going to be phenomenal. ESPN Plus starting like 7 o'clock in the morning our time. I don't think the coverage goes off on TV until 7 o'clock at night. So we're going to have like 12 hours of coverage each day. But here are the featured groups for this week's PGA Championship. First up, we've got Brooks Kepka, Justin Thomas, and Rory McIlroy. Absolutely loaded. And what, what time is that, Colby? On Thursday? Do you uh, have the times in front of you? I don't have the tee times in front of me. I've just got the featured groups. Okay. Uh, so, but I'm, you can go to golfchannel.com or anywhere and find the tee times uh, on Thursday. Next uh, featured group, Colin Morikawa, Bryson DeChambeau, and reigning Masters champion Hideki Matsuyama. Another phenomenal featured group. Uh, next up, we've got Jordan Spieth, Webb Simpson, and Will Zalatoris. In that featured group, another one we've got Tommy Fleetwood, John Rahm, and Patrick Reed. Another great featured group, and then, and then, fellas, in in our in our fifth featured group. Keep in mind, I haven't said Victor Hovland's name. Keep in mind, I haven't said Dustin Johnson's name. In in our final featured group, we have my man Tyrrell Hatton. Not bad. We've got Adam Scott, eh. and we also have the 128th ranked player in the world, Ricky Fowler, and. I got to tell you, fellas, I, I mean, I bleed orange. Ricky Fowler being in a featured group and Victor Hovland not being in a featured group, I, I think that, I don't know, I think somebody who, who's making the featured groups up this week was really reaching for who they think golf fans want to watch Thursday and Friday. I totally agree. I, I mean, mean, no no DJ, no Hovland. I, I mean, he, I, I don't know who else is in Hovland's group. Maybe the rest of Hovland's group's a dud. I don't know. I haven't actually looked to see who's in his group. But, I mean... Adam Scott, Tyrrell Hatton, and Ricky Fowler, that is a really uninspiring featured group. Top to bottom, really. I mean, Hatton's not that entertaining. He's a good player, but he's not that entertaining unless he explodes. You want to know who's in Hovland's group? Hit me. Less than an hour later? Hit me. Lee Westwood and Xander Shoffley. Wow. There's just no way. There's just they're, no they're, way. They're the, group, they're the group in front of Rory, JT, and Kepka. So how DJ, easy would that be? Make it make sense, fellas. Let me command F here one second. Yeah, I mean, we've got Victor Hovland and Xander Shoffley. DJ the same group. is the last uh, tee time off with Lowry and uh, Sergio at 109 our time. Central. Both good options. Yeah. Both good options. I just I saw that earlier and I was dumbfounded, so I wanted to see uh, what y'all's thoughts were. I I'm just, sorry, that's that's not the last tee time. That was the last of the the ones that they showed. So okay, uh, gotcha. it's not the very last one, but it's close to it. So Ricky, you know, he, at least he's moved from the beach during the TV coverage. You know, laying out, drinking Corona. And by the way, that doesn't mean I won't be rooting for Ricky. Every yeah. time Ricky hits a shot, I'm going to be rooting for it to, to, you know, be great. I want him to make the cut. Hell, I want him to win the tournament. It'd be yeah. an unbelievable redemption comeback story. I just, I don't know, man. I don't know. It, it just doesn't I just make a lot feel of like sense. We could go from the beach to about 10 yards over to the course. I mean, right? We're on the beach, basically. <laughs> I'm just kind of scrolling through, just kind of highlighting, guys. I mean, I mean, I don't want to just shame that group. I mean, because I like, I like, I really like to watch Hatton because you never know what he'll say out there, but I could probably find five to, maybe seven more groups on here that I would rather watch th- than that one. And that's not even including the ones that, that we just, uh, that you already listed off Colby. So, I mean, I'm, I kind of agree. I think that they're, they're trying to target a market, but I think they're target, even if they are trying to target the, the market, they're not targeting in the right way, in my opinion. Yep, absolutely. We will, uh, we will get back to all that and see how those guys fare later in the week. Our plan is to get back together Friday morning, talk about what happened day one of the PGA championship, as well as updates you on who is in the, uh, the national championship, uh, golf, Playing, being played next week starting next Friday at Greyhawk. Uh, so give you just a few quick leaderboard updates here. Uh, guys, it's it's 
turned a little sour for OU. OU's going to have to play really well tomorrow to wow. extend their season. OU currently sits in solo ninth. They are one under as a team. T4, which remember, five teams make it, and there's two teams tied for fourth. That's South Carolina and Texas A&M both finished in the clubhouse at eight under as teams. So it appears, and, and based on where everything else stands, unless OU gets a couple birdies coming home late today, it appears as though OU will have to make up at least seven shots wow. tomorrow on either Texas A&M or South Carolina. We should note there are also three teams at five under that are T6. That's Stanford, New Mexico, and San Diego. So I, I think, you know, we can argue until we're blue in the face wow. about what the format should be, but with what the format is, OU is going to have to play a pretty remarkable round of golf tomorrow. They're, they're not going to be able to have uh, two guys have an off day. I they mean, have to have at least four guys play really great golf tomorrow. Looking at that, it, it's going to be really hard for them to make it. I, they're they're going to have to play lights out, and in all honesty, their fate's not in their hands. It's relying on other teams yeah. now. Th- they have to leapfrog four teams that are all at least four shots ahead of them. And, I mean, also, too, I mean, um, San Diego around here is not ranked, but uh, New Mexico 29th, Stanford 31, um, A&M, who you mentioned, Colby, they're 14th. Um, I mean, it's not like they're chasing dogs here. I mean, these are good teams. That's what I'm saying. It's almost out of their hands, and everyone out there listening, especially the young individuals, we're, we're trying to help the youth here. I'm, I could be exactly right on the point I was making the other day, and this would totally make my argument so much better, but this is the last thing I want to see is OU not make the tournament. So I am putting my pride aside. I want y'all to be right on the argument, and I want OU to get into the tournament the right way. So I will say that. But I do say something. If they do end up missing, it'll make Friday a more interesting show at least. It so. will. It will, because wow. I, I know I know Taylor's lock, locked into what he believes. I'm locked into what I believe. We, we would love to know what you all believe. Tweet us, at the 73rd hole. We got a couple replies uh, yesterday. One guy said, you know, just love the passion about college golf. There's, there's not enough people who are passionate about college golf, and we are, and it's because – in my opinion, we live in the best college golf state in the country. And like I've said many times throughout the season, I want a Bedlam National Championship. So I'll be rooting for OU to go out tomorrow and, and throw up about a 15 under as a team. But they're going to need at least four guys all probably to go 69 or what lower, is, I would um, Could you all have it in front of you? I'm trying to pull it up. My computer's a little slow. What's the individuals for OU look like? Because in all honesty, we might be looking at who are going to be the individuals that get in for OU. Uh, Brightwell, Brightwell will get in. That's um, it. That's he's, it. he's T2 uh, currently. Yeah. Next best individual is Logan. Logan McAllister at T29. So yeah. it'll for anyone who doesn't know, if, unless I'm mistaken, they will take the top three individuals who were not on one of the five teams that made it to the national tournament. Yep. Correct. Yep. And, yep. and and for example, like um, who's the player that OU switched out yesterday, Sam? Uh, ben Lorenz or. Uh, or who, Patrick Welch? Yeah, Patrick Welch, yeah. So, I mean, obviously he played horrible, but all these people who are subbed in for a round, they don't have an opportunity to make it as an right. individual because they didn't play right. all three rounds. And, and another thing, I'm just looking at OU's scorecards today. They've made plenty of birdies. I think they've made about 18, 17 or 18 birdies on the day. They've just made way too many bogeys and others. I don't understand. Yeah, way too many doubles I'm looking yeah, at. Yeah, it's just I mean, no like consistency. Yeah, but. Man. It's yeah. pretty unbelievable. Uh, rough week to have a rough week. Hope that they can clean it up tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, seriously, we're, we're all rooting for Oklahoma, uh, and we want them to have a great day tomorrow. And, and at this point, it'd be a phenomenal story. If they were to go out tomorrow and shoot 15 under as a team, it'd be a phenomenal story for them to sneak up uh, into the five spot. And who knows? Maybe those teams ahead of them start feeling the pressure. There is a lot of pressure at this point to advance to Greyhawks. So uh, we'll be back Friday morning. We'll talk about what happened in the first round of the PGA Championship. It'll be on live while we're recording. Uh, so we'll be watching that as well, and we'll tell 
tell you who the 30 teams are as well as the individuals that advance to Greyhawk for the NCAA National Championships beginning next Friday. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Enjoy the PGA Championship. Thanks for listening to the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma.